Welcome to File Under Entertainment Podcast with Eric and guests. This week, I am joined by Mark from... Go ahead and introduce yourself, Mark. Oh, all right. This all is right, Mark. <laughs> this is Mark. I am from the Evil Mark Show. You can find it where all the best podcasts are distributed. You can also find more information at evilmark.com. If you love sports, if you love sports talk, then we're definitely the show to check out. Even if you don't love sports, if you just like general nonsense, then I am definitely your guy. And I got to say, I am so happy to be here on File and Entertainment. I've been a list, longtime listener, first time guest. I'm super pumped. There's like a lot of great music that, that I want to share. And there's a lot of great music I know you have on deck. So I'm like super, super, super pumped. Yeah, I mean, you, you were gracious enough to invite me on to do the college football show, which has now expanded into we're doing like the all sports show and it's uh, it's growing by leaps and bounds, which is incredible for for us and super producer Jared to be a part of. He's here again behind the scenes, ready to, to plug in the music. And yeah, we're just really you know grateful to, to be a part of your show. And yeah, as soon as we brought up music you're like well when it gets to g i hope it's grateful dead and if you need someone to come on and talk about grateful dead i was like yeah, yeah. it was before i think we even did a you were already clamoring <laughs> yeah. to come on for g so i've i've been stumping for this episode a long time in fact in, in fact is, is when when i heard that dylan was leaving i was i was bummed but at the same time i was like all right so you need a guest host for g how can i get how can i get locked yeah. in for that yeah I, I don't think there's anything uh in my life i'm more passionate about than uh than sports i think is like my number one and then the second is is music and the power of music that's why i've, I've like that's why i love the idea of you doing the music episodes that's why i love the music being in the show and i can talk a little bit about that later uh why that's so important but yeah man i, I just love it and i i first i want to make just one announcement if i can if you'll indulge me Art. absolutely yeah you're so. always very gracious <laughs> giving me time to plug myself so by all means yeah go ahead so yeah, I'm not going to go too much too far, but I do want to mention everybody. So if you, if you're checking out the show, thank you guys for checking out the show. If you came over for my show, that's even better. You should be here. You should have been here a long time ago. You shouldn't need me to be here. But if you're here for the announcement, the announcement is that that Evil Mark show is going to be doing a Friday show that's NFL centric, NFL only, and it's going to be I'm going to my co-host is going to be the one and only man behind the wheel of steels, uh, super producer uh, Jared from Feathers and Friends, uh, Parrot Game Parrot Gaming Productions, and. Uh, so that's awesome. So I wanted to throw that out there. And the other thing, and I think this might be a file under entertainment first. And you tell me, Eric, if, if you if if I'm if I'm right, Ooh, if I'm, I'm yeah. incorrect, then if I'm if I'm wrong, then then call me out on it. Okay. I am actually doing mushrooms right now in honor of this <laughs> grateful dead thing. So I think this is the first <laughs> yeah. file under entertainment where you've had somebody openly admit they're tripping fucking balls. So with that, I'll let you go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> that is that is great. Yes, that is. Uh, definitely a first. So he's on. He's on record. Just oh yeah. Saying, so, if I so if I fuck weird. up, if I don't if I fuck up, don't hold it against me. Don't be listening. Listen to this. And be like, dude, that guy sounds really really jacked up. I don't know how he hosts a sports show. You'll get the better version of me or the non third eye open version of me on the sports <laughs> show. <laughs> so you should have just given yourself the out though, because I know that you had recently had a bunch of dental surgery done. So you could have just said like, oh yeah, it's you know after effects from dental surgery. You know, yeah, I'm just sleepy. Oh know? no, no, I, no, I figured he's, he's on record. <laughs> yeah, one thing that's 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 proper about like especially uh cosmic or transcendental music like Grateful Dead or stuff like this is like you have to be fully involved in the experience. You have to be fully present to fully enjoy it. I'm not that you got to do that, but I'm just saying it definitely enhances the experience. If you're going to talk about it, if you're going to dive deep into it. And I think, and not to get too far ahead, but 
anybody, anybody who's listening right now, I can tell you, what if I blew your mind? What if I told you every episode of File Entertainment could be a cosmetic experience? Because anytime <laughs> you hear music, it, it changes your brain chemistry, right? And it goes right into your penile gland. And then it opens up your third eye. So if you allow it, if you listen to any of the music, garbage, grateful, dead, as we go along here, it will literally open up your third eye and you will see colors. You will see visions. It will open up your mind to things in your past, things in your future. Dude, it, time is a flat curve, dude, but you can see it all right here today in this episode. I swear to you. That's, that's great. Uh, should I uh, adjust my uh, camera so you're not staring at the blinking lights? Are you going to get tripped out, like looking at no, the no, lights no. reflecting in it? Or that's going to just enhance the experience, right? No, no, I'm totally good. I got my I got my little salt light. I have my salt light set up over here in my office and I'm just staring at it. So yeah, I'm, I'm good, man. I'm ready to go. All right. Well, without further ado, then we are continuing it in the alphabetical trend. So our bands today are Garbage and Grateful Dead. So uh, it's typically... I would want my guests to go first, but it's been a trend where my picks have just been alphabetically first and on the docket. So we're going to continue with that and we're going to speak first about garbage. Um, one thing that I did make mention with, uh, and I'm sure you're going to bring your, your personal connection to this band. It's one thing that I regret not doing for the alphabet. I think I maybe touched on it a little bit for Ani DeFranco. Um, but I don't think that any of the other ones that I touched on, I uh, completely missed out with, with Fiona, but for garbage, I wanted to give not only the wiki, uh, which I'll start out with, but then also like my personal connection, how I got affiliated with the band. So the Wikipedia thing for garbage, they are an American rock band formed in 1993 in Madison, Wisconsin. The band's lineup consisting of Scottish singer Shirley Manson, American musicians Duke Erickson, Steve Marker, and Butch Vig has remained unchanged since its inception. All four members are involved in the songwriting and production process. Garbage has sold over 17 million albums worldwide. The band's eponymous debut album was critically acclaimed upon its release, selling over 4 million copies and achieving double platinum certification in the UK, United States, and in Australia. It was accompanied by a string of increasing successful singles from 95 to 96, including Stupid Girl and Only Happy When It Rains. Follow-up version 2.0 released in 1998 after a year in production was equally successful, topped, uh, topping the UK albums chart and receiving two Grammy Award nominations. Uh, their third album was Beautiful Garbage, followed by Bleed Like Me. I realize when I put all this stuff down, I have fully in, the full intention of reading it all. And then I just like, yeah, I don't want to be talking for like minutes on end, just reading paragraphs. So yeah, just the, the, the notes they had, uh, Greatest Hits album come out in 2007, Absolute Garbage. And then they followed that with uh, 2012, Not Your Kind of People, then 2016, uh, Strange Little Birds. And then their seventh studio album, No Gods, No Masters, was a double album that was released in 2021. This I've always made mention about uh, it's incredibly difficult to pare down my songs. I could have picked five songs from their debut album just in and of itself. I mean, I, I love that album. It's still one of my favorites of all time. So I only picked one song from that album. So I because I tried to to space it out, you know, and and give credit to all the rest of their um, their offerings. So my personal connection, how I got into them in the first place, uh, I was fresh out of high school and into the military and mm. um, kind of like Jared had made mention uh, on his episode, like the thing that you do when you, you've got this kind of money for the first time and you're passionate about music is you 
you go and stereo you, <laughs> you, you go and buy cds you know and like because cds were still like a, a major thing at the time and so that was the thing like every every paycheck every first and 15th you know when, <laughs> when that uh, uh military uh pay would drop I, i'd go out and buy a bunch of cds just to to build the collection and uh one of the first ones that i got was uh, sharks patrol these waters which was the best of volume volume was a uk music i don't know if it's still around but at the time like the early 90s it was like a, a uk uh alternative kind of hotbed and they had uh a magazine and they also came out with like i think each magazine came with a cd and then they did like a compilation where they did the best of um volume number two and it had all kinds of stuff like a stereo lab and um, Radiohead, um, Blur, Garbage. It, it had a, a shit ton of bands that um, it, well, I, I've always liked Sharks. And so I was like, ooh, just the title alone, Sharks Patrol These Waters. I was like, oh, that's pretty yeah. cool. What's this about? And so I looked at all the bands that were on there and had never heard Garbage before, but you know, I bought the CD and listened to it. And that first time I heard the song, Vow, which is actually, the number five song that we're going to be discussing today, the first time I ever heard garbage. And it was like, it, it talks about some things like she, she compares herself to Jesus Christ. And, you know, here I was from like this really conservative, like Christian background and, you know, just out on my own for the first time. And I was like, Oh, this is kind of dangerous, kind of sacrilegious. And, you know, but she had like kind of a sultry voice, but she's talking about like, you know, revenge and, and kind of stuff. I was like, this is really, this is doing some things to me. You know? <laughs> this is kind of like, this is shaping my worldview. And like when the actual uh, self-titled uh, debut album came out and I picked that up, I was just like blown away. It was just so amazing. And still like one of, if not my all-time favorite brand. And that, that album, that self uh titled album just wow like i said i could have picked five songs just from that so that first one was so amazing like i i remember getting this myself like i think i had got it through like uh bmg or like columbia house it was like you know you get mm. like a penny and you get like 20 cds or whatever and i remember it was a throw-in and i remember because i had heard their song and i i heard it was a i'm only happy when it rains at, at a hockey game and i remember everyone was like whoa what the hell is this man i can't like in a minor league hockey game in portland is when i first heard this song and i remember just being like wow i was like blown away how like hard edge they were and like mm -hmm. but at the same time like very lyrical and just kind of like fit the time the time in the music scene like just perfectly now i'm not really i when i saw your set list i was like i remember we talked about this i was like oh why did you have this one why didn't you have that one of course i feel that way every time i see any set list i'm like why don't you have my favorites but uh <laughs> like yeah like what's really interesting i just got a chance to like listen to these through, through like the first time the other day so this is gonna be like the second time i've got to like have it wash over me but like i was like even as someone who who liked garbage when they first came on i was like one of those 90s fans but then mm -hmm. to come back discover it they have like such a huge back volume of work they almost remind me of uh i'm not sure if you remember the cardigans yeah like the, oh, card yeah. the cardigans got kind of got pigeonholed by that one song and their their back catalog is so deep it's like it's like a fucking river man it's just really <laughs> crazy dude so the fact that these ones when i first got to listen to them i was like yeah this is cool dude this is really cool so i can't wait to hear these ones again awesome well let's get right into it then our first song we're leading off with uh shut your mouth <laughs> Welcome, we love you, we hate you, we love you, we want 
what they want to see And you could be a big star You could go far Like a landmark What are you been giving you, smart girl? When they in love Give them what they want What they want to see And you could be a big star You could go far Like a landmark Make a shitload Spins by with everybody moaning, pissing, bitching, and everyone is shitting on the friends, on the love, on the oaths, on the honor, on the graves, on the mouths, on the words, say nothing. Shut your mouth, try not to panic. Just shut your mouth, if you can do it. Shut your mouth, try not to panic. Just shut your mouth. <laughs> That's coming at you. Number 15 on the top 30. <laughs> so that was shut your mouth. I do actually have some notes. I'm well prepared for for this one. So that is from 2001. That was the lead song off of the album Beautiful Garbage. It was one of the first songs that they completed for the album. And the genesis of the song came from the band setting up their instruments and playing music for three hours while Manson spontaneously sang. Uh, it came from Garbage attempting to do a funk jam, which was what uh, Butch Vig recalled, and then Shirley went into the vocal booth and this Patti Smith-style stream of consciousness vocal came out. Vic later described Shut Your Mouth as, quote, Sly and the Family Stone on Quaaludes. <laughs> 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 so, and lyrically, Shirley Manson explained, uh, quote, in a general sense, it's about keeping your own counsel. There are so many opinions out there and misinformation and everybody's got their own agenda end quote and if uva doug is listening <laughs> <laughs> this is uh the notre dame connection because it actually uh october 10th of 2001 garbage debuted shut your mouth live in concert in notre dame indiana during their uh support tour of u2's elevation tour so that's pretty cool a nice little uh connection to notre dame which i previously was unaware of so doing some research on the song is like that's it's pretty damn cool and it gives me a, a an opportunity <laughs> to talk about notre dame in this podcast yeah you managed to work notre dame into this. that's great <laughs> like I, you know when, when i hear this one i think of like didn't like cement in my mind until the second listen but this is almost like like their smells like teen spirit like especially when we get into your place my place make or bring that famous face you got something you want something you want to let me get you some we know your music but of course we never buy it it's too fake man like this is all seems like the 90s like encapsulated like people bands like becoming superstars people being used and kind of this like bands and people in bands being turned into a commodity to be like quickly used and then like quickly disposed of and like what what's mm -hmm. what's popular today won't be popular tomorrow and and like they'll just bring in there's going to be another person there'll always be another another person kind of like a, a commentary on on popular especially popular rock music at the time especially alternative when alternatives blowing up and then you got to remember at this time there's like 
you got like STP coming onto the scene. You got like the Pearl Jam there. There's Nirvana. There's like, it's such a crowded marketplace at that time. It was like, it's like having like a, you know, a, being in a world with full of Alabamas. It's, it's like, how do you even like distinguish yourself when there's so much good stuff? I mean, there's like genre defined good stuff. There's stuff that, that is going to be known in like the history of music. And then you're there, you kind of got to like, get in where you fit in at the same time you got to be who you are and you got to be unique to who you are which is which is why i dug this one yeah that's very profound and insightful i'm glad <laughs> glad that you came prepared oh I am i know. not am i not supposed to comment on your songs no no no, no absolutely no no i just i i'm kind of like thrown because <laughs> uh erica i'm sure you listen to to f like erica and i were just like i don't know why like i just like it oh, so it's, it's like you actually have like these deep insightful kind of things I, behind I'm it gonna, so, like, where they fit in the pantheon of rock and roll and everything it's, it's like wow that's I, i'm going full bill wald <laughs> the majesty of garbage you have to realize <laughs> the palm trees <laughs> and the saguaros or whatever. Yeah, the saguaros <laughs> no man i like yeah th this one I, I really dug i think i found another quote here from 2021 where Shirley clarified that the song is about their growing resentment I met as, as our success continued to grow as a band. People say and do terrible things out of jealousy, which is like super, super true. I, I think that was one of those things of, of just being in that band, especially being like a female fronted band, which was kind of unique when you looked at the, I mean, even though Nirvana famously, you know, in Pearl Jam, like you have all these bands that are that are definitely they're not anti-women but at the same time you don't have any representation you don't have any like really strong female bands i mean you, later on you have a lot of more set but really you could argue did that really belong in the rock category probably not when we look at the rest of her catalog like this is true hard edge rock like there's no denying it like this isn't like oh i'm part of a different genre and i kind of get to sit at the alternative table like cheryl crow yeah. this is like true alter an alternative artist being an alternative artist so yeah I, I really dug this one man i think this is a really good pick good i i tried to i've noticed with the the ellie pick that got kind of jared hooked he was willing to kind of put up with more of these slower paced songs by virtue of starting with something a little bit faster so that's a little bit more like the rocking kind of song to just kind of get the get the motors going you know just get the engine revving and, and get people going so uh, i think if you don't have anything more on that one we're ready to move into the next one no beautiful man i love this All one right. yeah go ahead next one is i think i'm paranoid
All right, we are back. That was, I think, I'm paranoid, and this one was uh, written, performed, and produced uh, as the second single from the second album entitled Version 2.0. They began writing their second album, which was under the title, working title of Sal Sad Alcoholic Clowns. <laughs> I love that. Uh, that I'm going to I'm going to steal that. <laughs> sad Alcoholic Clowns. That's sad pretty amazing. Clowns. That is. It was originally entitled uh, Bend Me. It was later finalized to I Think I'm Paranoid. Uh, they intended their second album to build upon the framework, music style, and musical template laid down by their first release to create a rapprochement between the, quote, high-tech and low-down now sound and of golden memories, end quote, and to wear musical references to the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Duke Erickson created the opening guitar riff and arranged the backing chords over which Shirley Manson sang. Manson's vocal was manipulated in various parts of the song by running the feed to the mixing console through a filter or a stop box to provide distortion and by using Pro Tools plugins to time stretch the vocal take. I liked how the different uh, the segments where it just sounded distorted. I think that adds to the like the the lyrical kind of thing where like the the feeling of being paranoid. Mm. So you know. You know, this is uh, this is Billy Corgan's favorite garbage song, and I think that that tells you a lot about just the lyrics and the sound of it. The distortion, the give and the take, to your point, is like is just builds on on the song itself, and it really makes it something unique, like something, especially in that time, something very, very unique. Yeah, that uh, this was another one. The, the second album I didn't like as much as the first, but was another one that has like just multiple songs that are just absolute bangers that I, I could have picked. And this was one that normally I, I think I start out with between like probably 10 to 15 songs that I have to pare down to the five. This one was just like I had like 30, 35 songs on there, <laughs> but it was just so difficult. Whereas like, yeah, I really, really like this one but it's just not good enough to kind of make the cut, but it was, oh man, just that final 10 to get down to five was just absolutely brutal. But again, I, I wanted to try to space it out and give kind of something from almost every single one of the releases. We got five out of the seven and uh, that's my favorite song from version 2.0. So. You know, it's funny about version 2.0 is like, I this came out in what, 1998, right? Yeah. 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 That, yeah, that sounds right. Seems right. Because yeah, I think, yeah, I was a senior in high school. Right. And I remember this when this one came out because it was like, this one was unique in the fact that the way it was packaged originally upon its first like issue, it was like, it was a little bit more expensive than, than, than your other albums. I think your regular, your other CDs at the time were going for like 1299 or whatever the sales price was. And I remember this one was like 1599. I remember it was very odd. And I, 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 but first I thought that like I had made that up in my mind, but I've, I've looked that up online. Um, and there's other people who verified this. Uh, but I just remember thinking like, man, it's, it's got to, it, it can't be that good for, for their charger more <laughs> for the CD. And then I remember finally getting my hands on it. I remember I got it from a buddy and I remember like going, man, this is so good. There's this, this is yeah. pretty, this is pretty worth every penny front to back. <laughs> and then, and then you get to enjoy that same song again, because this was a, if, if you're a gamer, then if you remember just a year later, Gran Turismo 2, which yeah. like Gran Turismo 2 is like one of the, the best Gran Turismo games of all time. Probably one of the best racing games of all times, if you could argue that. And then you got this song on there. It was just like one of those ones that's, you know, it was weird. Like the 90s, especially like the late 90s were perfect for like music and other media kind of like 
meeting at the same time and like i I think that was at a time where you could like find a really cool song like this in the video game and then because it it worked so well at that time it it wasn't included in like uh guitar hero am i making that part up yep no it was a rock band yeah yeah rock band yeah i think well it it might it was one of those yeah no it was either rock band or guitar hero maybe both honestly i'm not really sure well i'm sure that it was at least one of them it's one of those just like classical it's i'm not classical rock songs but just like a straightforward rock song a lot of distortion mm-hmm. like it gives me a lot of vibes of like a tom morello kind of vibe especially with that sure. like just a little bit of that shaking distortion that kind of sets that offsets it and then the fact that it, you know i'm paranoid it's just it's so it sets it off just perfectly i think yeah. the, as we as we progress further through time man you don't see the music and games like so intertwined but like i can't hear this song like i remember i must have dropped this entirely from my memory but i remember i listened to it for the first time uh the first time in a long time like uh, a couple days ago and i remember i was like oh that's the gran turismo song i forgot how much i like this song holy shit i really dig this song i forgot about this yeah i was like Oh no! Go ahead and go ahead. And I was just gonna say I was like I immediately got to put it on my my nineties uh, my nineties <laughs> alt rock jam set because I'm like how did I forget about this one? I got yeah. like every Stone Temple Pilots song, but I don't have this one. Why is that? <laughs> it's because cool. I'm sexist. No, <laughs> that's your point about like uh, music in in games like that. That yeah, this was like huge for. I mean, if you were a fan of both that, and because I've I've been very vocal on Evil Mark's show about not liking NASCAR, but Gran Turismo, there's so many different like uh, road race kind of things, and so that and just like the way that you can customize your car, that was such a deep game for like PS2 mm-hmm. era release, and just like all the music that went along with it. But you had also brought up like Tony Hawk, and Tony Hawk was another one that was just huge for bringing in a lot like exposure to a lot of like you know punk and rock kind of bands that maybe you didn't listened to before and then you know you hear them over the course of playing that game and that it causes you to go out and seek you know those bands and so maybe garbage got a lot more interest from people playing you know a game like grand cruiser too so that's well yeah because that the alternative scene was like this was near the end this was like the death throws like i think the death rattle probably happened after 2000 i think when when we have like no doubt singing the it's the end of the world as we know it on mtv and as it rung in the the year 2000 i think like what people knew is is alternative music was like headed on a path the limp biscuit path the uh mm, the new metal yeah, yeah now i'm really gonna get hot takey but like at that point after 2000 then we saw like it was the new metal which clearly fizzled out and which clearly like led the way to the uh the the boy band the boy band era mm-hmm. and then the sanitized version and there were kickbacks to that there was like kid rock and there was eminem but i mean that's what kind of was the death of, of all alternative rock in my mind was like the the moment that that it went from alternative rock to new metal it was only a matter of time before the natural pushback was going to be like no these people are too scary you know these <laughs> freak on a leash and you know there's a bullet going instead of being just is so touched on so much stuff I, I don't think people were comfortable with uh and not their fault i mean there was really good all there were good new metal bands but there were really really bad ones and the really really bad ones limp biscuit ate up most of the attention and that's what sucks is that the true alternative rock it doesn't seem like there's that anymore like could you imagine if this song came out today like where would it be where would you hmm. hear this like it's it's really a shame that 
that the best rock, the best alternative rock, like has no outlet and you don't hear good stuff like this anymore. Yeah. Well, but just the whole world has changed, you know, like a radio, like alternative radio. I remember, you know, going out and driving around with my dad when like Q101 uh, Chicago was like the first alternative, you know, only radio station in the area and just driving around listening to, to Smashing Pumpkins and Stone Temple Pilots and, and stuff like that. It was just like, it was so cool, like to be able to hear that on the radio. And that was a thing, like everybody listened to the radio, like CDs were out, but they weren't kind of as prevalent. Like it was literally, you, you listened to the radio and everybody did. And now who listens to <laughs> commercial radio anymore? <laughs> like that, people hardly even listen to like Sirius XM, you know, like satellite radio. It's, pretty much everybody has Spotify or music on their phone, you know, Apple music or whatever. So it's well, yeah, you know, rare. what's weird. You know, what's weird is like, you can kind of like, you're never it, with, with the radio, you're kind of forced to listen to other things. Like you're waiting for what you want to hear. So you're kind of forced to be exposed to everything else. Like we've, we've built such an insular world music wise that like, mm -hmm. you don't have to, you don't have to deal with anything you don't like. Like I think of my own musical tastes and I think of what I listen to and, I, like now at my age, man, I'm like, I, I do like some psychedelic stuff, but I think mostly I listen to country and like regular rock and, but I don't hear anything new because I've literally, you know, put myself in a ghetto of stuff that only I like or, and if I look out of it, I'm only looking for stuff that's kind of adjacent to it. You would yeah. never, you in, in this kind of world, you would never run into a band like Garbage, which when you look at the catalog, like can definitely hold its own against the other alt rock super acts of the same time frame. For sure. And it's a shame that they don't kind of end up on that Mount Rushmore of, of alternative rock acts. And, and well, I, but they do, they do have staying power because I mean, they did it. They had like a extended hiatus, but then they came back and they put out a, a few more albums. And it's like, I'm not the biggest fan of um, strange little birds. Like I, didn't have any representation on this list from I said birds and Jared Jared lit up. He's like, what do you say? Birds? Are you talking about birds? 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 Wait a minute. What? No, I meant like the strange little birds, the album. Uh, I, there's no representation on this list from anything. I mean, it's not bad. It's not horrible, but it doesn't, I don't think hold a candle to their other albums, but uh, no gods, no masters. Uh, the new one from 2021, the double album, the double album has a lot of, uh, like there's some covers on there and there's also some uh uh like guest spots they they had other people come on to like uh who's the guy uh brian from silver sun pickups uh guests on a song which is it's good but it's kind of it's gimmicky stuff you know but the first album or the first uh, cd of that double album is really really good so i i think that they do have kind of staying power, you know, for a band that came out in 93 and it's now 2022 and they're still around and they're still putting out music. That's, I mean, yeah, I, like this, the stones and Aerosmith and all those other people do that same thing. So yeah, got a long way to go before they reach that kind of level. But yeah, yeah. In, in fairness to them, I mean, I, I heard the newer stuff and I think it's like, a, like a, it's like a, Amanda Palmerish, like kind of Dresden dolls, kind of a new, like it's got that same kind of vibe, but like, I don't think that's, I don't think that's necessarily bad. I, I don't think it's wrong to hold uh, like, you know, bands grow and bands develop and bands change. So to like, think that they're going to put out version 3.0 and it's going to be just like it was before. It's just never going to happen. Like the band that, that any band that you fall in love with at one particular time, is never going to be that same band. Like, what is it now? Right. this far in the future? Like people have grown, people have changed, but I, I think you're kind of almost 
when you're when you're that good and you're that iconic, especially in your own time, it's kind of like you're fighting off your own success because no matter what you put out there, like you're you're gonna have to compete against yourself. You're gonna have to compete against these two songs we just we just listened to. Like that's tough. That's really sure. really tough. Yeah, that, that's the really difficult thing too. Is like evolving to stay relevant without like really trashing your existence prior to that. You know, it's like they have to evolve and put out something that sounds kind of new and fresh, but it's still in the vein of what they've done before. Otherwise, people are going to get all up in arms. It's like mm -hmm. it's the argument that I keep bringing up uh, about like Star Wars. It's like you're not going to please all of the people all the time. So you can only hope to please some of the people most of the time, or at least hope that. So this next song is Wolves, and this is from that first CD on uh, No Gods, No Masters. I really like this song. Well, we'll get into discussing it after we give it a listen. So this is Wolves.
my god, he's a crazy kind of god. All right, that was <laughs> Wilson. Mark's getting into it. He's humming along. <laughs> I, I love that because it sounds like it could be three or four different songs like rolled into one like they had the whole thing where they introduced like very kind of late into the song about our kind of god is a crazy kind of god which fits the theme of like no gods no masters uh which was kind of a theme that they were going through throughout that whole first album they have a lot of songs that kind of touch on god and theology and you know masters and kind of like powerful people and whatever and so that that's sticks thematically and then they also she's talking about like being a, a jerk and being like a dick to this person and but then also the refrain with you know like the chorus no one can say that I, I didn't want you that i didn't need you that i didn't love you it's like it's three or four different songs wrapping up into one and just the the music is like the guitar is off-putting but it's also just so like rocky and i oh, i i love it it's like one of it's definitely the favorite song from the new album and I had to include it for that reason. Yeah, this is a kind of interesting like it's 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 chaos but at the same time yeah it's it's very it's very hard rock but then you can tell there's a little bit of there's a little bit of pop in the sound. It's very driving forward so you think like if this song had came out in their heyday like this would have been definitely like one of their hits because it's more poppy than mm -hmm. the rest but still it's got that hard edge to it. Um you know, I I, I I saw the the quote here on on this particular one, and I mean, this wasn't my favorite my favorite one, but I do like I like her explanation on this. She said this song reminds her of her younger self. There was both a good and bad side to her personality. She admitted to hurting people back then, but added, "When you're young and in self survival mode, much like a baby rattlesnake, you have no idea how strong your venom is. It has the power to kill." That's like, such a cool fucking yeah, quote. That is it? cool. Like like a baby rattlesnake. Gosh. She's <laughs> she's channeling old Bill Walton herself and then she continues this. <laughs> this is a song about inner conflict, about regret, about duality, which is you definitely hear that in. The song is an ode to the idea of who are you going to be as a person? Are you going to be a force of harm? Or are you going to try to do good in the world? A song about the struggle that exists inside ourselves as humans, which is like perfect for being poppy and driving forward, but at the same time, like very, very chaotic uh, on that guitar, which I definitely agree with you on that point. Yeah, it's, it's so, it sounds different than, and I'm sure, you know, music aficionados can point to like a billion other times that something similar or that exact same like chord riff or refrain has been used in other songs but it's like it sounds so weird to me and that structure that like it's not a stereotypical rock kind of uh instrumental use there uh, i really like the the metaphors behind the thing too uh, within that same thing i'm sure you saw this as well as she said that she wrote the song after coming across an eastern european folktale of a grandfather teaching his grandson about life the old man uses a metaphor of two wolves one evil and one good fighting within him to explain his inner conflicts to his grandson when his grandson asks which wolf wins the grandfather says whichever wolf he chooses to feed is the one that wins here shirley <laughs> manson uh references the dueling inner wolves legend to illustrate the power of youth and the danger within it's like it's so cool like that uh that she can draw inspiration from so like how she even would have come across that you know unless she was actively seeking that out is just really neat and then to form uh to like relate that to her own life and how she was as a person and then to like structure a song around something that's like some so simple 
uh, at face value, but so profound of an idea is just like really cool. And that's another reason that it's one of my favorites. Uh, this is a really good one. Yeah. When you, you, you want to get something that's kind of gets more representative of, of who they are currently. And I think this is kind of like the perfect mix of, of what they were. Uh, and then also this, this, these other new added ideas and also being mm -hmm. able to kind of play with that duality, something being more than one thing, which I think is like, doesn't get played enough with in music. Usually it's like one thing, I'm telling you one story, this is how it goes. And this is, these are the high points. Like this is very much, it's kind of two stories. Like you said, to your point, like it's, it could be a couple songs rolled up into one. It's a yeah. lot of ideas rolled up into one, which is like points to the chaos of it, but also the, the kind of beauty of it, man. Yeah, it's really cool. I'm glad you're appreciating these. This uh, next one, it's uh, from their fifth album. So it's another one of their newest ones. Uh, it's from Not Your Kind of People. This is uh, another one of my favorites. I have, uh, spoiler alert for the people that are coming on in the future, I have a habit of, you know, starting off strong and then leading with, you know, the last couple songs are typically my favorites. Control is the next one. And it's another one of like the really rocking like really meaningful songs and I like it for a multitude of reasons which we will discuss after hearing it here's control
all right, suffocate or control. <laughs> so God suffocating is like, yeah, it's, it's really fitting with the theme. And like, yeah, that must be the name of it. No, control. Uh, again, that was the, from not your kind of people. It was the second single released from that album. Uh, it was also used in the soundtrack for the trailer for the amazing Spider-Man, the ones that we don't speak about. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Watch it, man. That's that's my that's my Spider-Man. <laughs> the Andrew Garfield one? No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah. I'm just being mad. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know it's not. You're a Toby hey, hey, guy like I am. Look, dude, Andrew Garfield ain't nobody Spider-Man. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> control is about giving up any control in your life, surrendering yourself to whatever is going on, explained Shirley Manson, and committing yourself to it in that moment. The band were inspired by the song When the Levee Breaks by Led Zeppelin and used it as a reference point to bring guitars into the mix and seeing how far they could push their sound and channel the groove. Control features a harmonica part performed by Butch Vig. Harmonica, again, not something that you stereotypically think in a, like a rocking kind of driven song like that. I also really love like the distortion. I guess I just really love when Shirley Manson's vocals are distorted for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, it's like the, the just the chaos and just the uh, reverberation and everything that's going on uh, at the end. Uh, yeah, just really impactful to me. I, it's another really one of my favorites. What did you think about this one? Uh, you know, I, I want to, you mentioned something really that I totally agree with there about the distortion. Like there's something about, especially how they use distortion. You usually see like the distortion used in, in like, just like one instruments, but like in their case, they're using it in like whole portions of the song. And it, it brings like some well-needed fuzz, like a crunch and kind of attitude to it that it wouldn't have. Like you mainly have here, you have like a really good rock song. And then you, as you're, as you're coming to the end and you're, you know, it's building to this climax, it's, it's, this mm -hmm. song starts to lose control too. Like it's, it's very, it's kind of a, a fun way they, they play with this. Like almost, uh, I, I feel like everyone in that era was probably influenced by, by Billy Corgan, uh, in Tom Morello and, and just this, this kind of production that happened then where sometimes it was kind of like masturbatory, like the way it was used or just kind of overused. It's like mm -hmm. used brilliantly here to kind of add another layer, another level to that song, especially as it, as it goes to a finish. I mean, I like it as just like a straight ahead rock song, but just to your point, that distortion just, it, it takes something special and it adds that extra to it. It's like, it's like the extra, you know, it's like the, the frosting inside a cake. You're like, holy shit, there's frosting inside this cake too. It's <laughs> on top. And then you open, oh shit, there's frosting on the inside. I can't believe it. Like, it's just, it, it, that's what it reminds you of. That distortion just makes just so much more special. Just having that little bit there. Yeah. I wonder, unfortunately, this is a band that for as much as I absolutely love them, I've never seen them live. And I wonder how this stuff translate live. I mean, for, for all intents and purposes, you know, from videos and whatever I've seen, like, it seems like they do put on a really incredible show. But I think a lot of what makes their songs so cool to me is like the production value. Like, these guys are just like nerds at heart. I mean, with the exception of Shirley, like Butch Vig and... Uh, with Duke Erickson and Steve Marker, they they were just they were already like older kind of guys. They were like producers. Like Butch Vig, famously uh, produced uh, Nirvana's Nevermind, and that's kind of how he even got like carte blanche to even start a band uh, was just because of the success of that. But they just love like the production value and like putting weird things together until they form like this coherence or maybe not so coherent sound that they have this very unique 
not only vibe but also song or sound in my opinion and i think that's by virtue of them like doing like weird unconventional things and just like being nerds about it like putting weird things together and seeing how they mesh with the like awesome uh vocal range of shirley manson on top of it all i think it works yeah let me add this idea here because when, when like especially when we talk when, we, when you listen to, to file entertainment i think one of the things you see when you have two different things you, there's a point where both things mesh like mr fox you know fabulous mr fox and fight club there's times when you have two separate media things and then they mesh and i think this is the part where things start to mesh between the the grateful dead and garbage is because as great as a band they were and as great as where they sit in the genre and where they sit in rock history, both bands independently. One thing that, that you, that you would never accuse them of, but they are, is they're definitely technical nerds at heart. They're really, really obsessed with their sound and how it sounds in the studio and how it sounds live from everything I've read from, from garbage fans. Well, and grateful dead. I know because I am a grateful dead fan. Mm -hmm. It's the same commitment to the sound in the studio is the same commitment to the sound live and the same commitment to performance. And you got two bands that are like way over the top and in, in how the intimacy they have with their, with their, with their fan bases and how they want their sound to be projected and received. It, it's very interesting. I think this is the point when you bring it up with the, the, the guys basically being nerds and, and mm -hmm. working on these sounds, this is the two, this is the point where both of these bands converge is, is that idea of, of having a deep love for, for the fans, but also having a deep love for the sound of music. That's really cool. I, I like that. See, we always like, we always half our ass our way into like something profound, right? Like <laughs> that tangential connection. We always get there somehow. All right. So this next one, I'm, I'm finishing up with my all time favorite song. This is the one that I heard at first on that compilation that sharks patrol these waters this was my first uh experience with garbage and it's still my favorite song from them and all like probably top five favorite songs just in general i really love this song from start to finish to me this is like the quintessential garbage song when i think of garbage this is a song i think of so without further ado this is vow
All right, I. <laughs> it, before let me let me say it. Let me let me yeah. jump in here. It, it, it's 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 fascinating to me. I, I'm I'm on pins and needles. I'm wondering why this is your favorite garbage song because. I definitely have strong feelings about it. I want you to get to yours first, but but yeah, I'm I'm deeply fascinated why this one is your favorite song. I think it was because it was the first one that I ever heard, and uh, like I, I think that you have a, a soft spot in your mind for uh, "Only Happy When It Rains" because it was the first one that mm-hmm. that you heard, and so it's like that's probably what you think of garbage. What you think of "Only Happy When It Rains," and when I think of garbage, I think of "Vow" because that's it's the first thing I heard, and like I mentioned at the top, it was like. I, I came from like a very, you know, like a Catholic kind of Christian household and, you know, like talking about Jesus Christ was sacrilegious. And here she is like referring to like Jesus in, in like a sexual kind of connotation, like that she was crucified, but she's back in, in this guy's bed and kind of treated her badly. And it's just like the whole the, the revenge angle and just her delivery. And it just sounded like it was uh, dangerous, but also sexy and, and everything. I was like... Yeah, it's just uh, <laughs> I I don't know I I don't have a specific reason I there's like uh, the notes that I'll I'll get into, but I, I want your kind of take on it and and hear what you have to say about it. Oh my it gosh, this is going to be the longest episode of File Under Entertainment <laughs> ever because this song and like this is about to me this song is about a couple that's just. Oh gosh, what, how did someone describe this? I, I think I saw this this quote here: a sad masochistic couple who couldn't stay away from each other. And that that's kind of I wish I could find different words to rephrase that, but that's exactly what it is. This mm-hmm. is this is like being with a woman that literally destroys your life, and then you destroy hers, and it's back and forth. But you can never seem to separate. Like I, I I've I've lived at this this song, unfortunately. <laughs> now I'm getting really bummed out. But yeah, it's 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 like it's so um, it's it's like there's elements that are like that are like fucking dynamite, TNT, fucking explosives or nuclear weapons, like all of that rolled into one. But at the same time, it's, it's like, it's more toxic than, than Chernobyl. Like there's, there's these super, super high ups and there's these super, Mm. super highs downs. And then there's, Mm -hmm. you can only really be hurt, really, really hurt by people you actually love. And when you, when you run that hot, especially when any relationship runs that hot, between two parties between two people like the damage you can do to each other is just so unbelievable and 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 the the things you say to each other and the things you do or the things you write about each other is like no one can can really hurt you like somebody like that so when when i hear this one man like it almost gives me like ptsd flashbacks (laughs) because i'm like i i think of uh gosh now i'm really really gonna go here is like uh uh I think of this this woman, uh, this girl named Jen, who I got involved with, uh, like right after my marriage dissolved, and we were like that man. It was like straight up nuclear TNT dynamite lava flowing out at a million miles an hour, and it was like the best thing. But at the same time, when when we'd get to going at it, it would be like <laughs> would it be like button the hatches. What if we talked about this on the last episode? Like you out on your front lawn, you brawling, you're like the neighbors yeah. are like, oh my god, like there's nothing that. When you burn that hot, when you burn that hot, it's like a fucking supernova. Things get destroyed when something burns that hot. No, nothing's meant to burn that hot. Yeah, it's not totally I, derailed you, Eric. So I'm no, sorry. No, that's all right. I didn't like. I I was looking for kind of like the the meanings behind the song or for notes, you know, to 
discuss it. And I saw a lot of people that had, you know, similar kind of feelings about it that they looked at it as like a negative. I don't know, for whatever reason, even though it is like I, I acknowledge that it was like a revenge kind of thing right off the top. And then it, it seemed like it was like a very toxic situation or it had been. It also I never really looked at it from a negative standpoint. I always looked at it as like her being empowered to do the damage to someone that had already damaged her. You know what I mean? Like it didn't seem like it was like a equal opportunity, like they were fucking each other over kind of thing. Like she had already been fucked over, but now the power was in her hands. Like now she was doing the fucking quite literally and figuratively um, to kind of gain control over the situation. So I always looked at it kind of like as, as a positive thing. So Oh, maybe try to retrain your brain to think no, to look it, at it that way. <laughs> you know what? It's it's like the coolest thing about when you when you're burning that hot or, or when you're in that sadomasochistic relationship. Like it, it sounds bad. Like from the outside, if you if you're if you put on your 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 psychiatric your your mm -hmm. psych uh, not psychic what's the other one psychiatrist hat, you go you go no this this wasn't healthy. But let me tell you something. Like of all the crazy shit that happened, this was a girl who went to jail physically fought like out in the front yard like that's that's a that's by it's autobiographical bro like i think of all those terrible fucking things and uh now that she's been gone since for for let me think since 2016 like i can't even like when when someone passes away you can never like think about all the evil shit right you like mm -hmm. but when you hear something like this you can never think about the evil shit. You just go, yeah, like whatever that was, it's over. Like you just focus on the good stuff. But when you hear something like this, it touches like so close to the vein of what you lived. You can't help but be like, oh my God. So it's, it's, it's one of those things. It's, it's, it's very, it's not negative. It's bittersweet because as crazy as those, those lows were, and they were really fucking low, really low. I mean, literally, uh, uh, and I don't know why I'm going to share, share this, but I really feel compelled to share this is like, having it, she, her having a heroin overdose in, in my bathroom that, that I still use and me having to punch through the door and my hands being bloody, like from, oh, wow. from those super, super, super low moments to just like the other moments that were just like so incredibly high, you know, it's it, when you're in that relationship, it's like being in a relationship with a very, very, very dangerous, very dangerous drug. Like, yeah, you can, you can never, get enough but at the same time it's literally destroying you but the the heights you touch you should never be able to touch you get mm. so close to something else that it, it, it burns you that's why that song i wouldn't say it's negative i would say it's very very intensely bittersweet <laughs> that's that's fair <laughs> so i i don't want i want to definitely give due diligence to to your uh, band. So I just have one more quick note about this one. They had not initially planned to release Vow as their first single, as, as a single at all, or even included on their debut album in the first place. The band felt that Vow was not representative of the album's genre hopping body of work, although they later came to appreciate the situation that led to the song becoming their debut. Manson declared that now we can do whatever and people won't know what to expect but if the band had instead settled for one of the more clubby tunes as a single we would have been pigeonholed as a dance band and that's a hard tag to shake so mm -hmm. it's like they didn't even want to include it on the album at all and now it's the one that i associate literally <laughs> with with garbage like the being the quintessential song so it's like yeah i guess maybe had i heard you know only happen when it rains or or queer or uh one of the other songs that were from that first album like maybe I would feel differently, but just that one just hit me at, like right at the perfect time. Uh, and yeah, that's the, the reason it'll forever hold a, a fond place in, in my heart. So 
let's get into the Grateful Dead. Let's talk about um, like their wiki thing, their introduction, and then also your, like your personal connection with them. Okay. Yeah, man. And I'm sorry if we're running long. I know I talk way, way too much. No, so if you, <laughs> no if I just, want... I, I'm more concerned about Jared's time. Like, like, oh, okay, okay. Sorry, Jared. <laughs> I can't see him. I'm not looking at the video. All right. Let me give you my, uh, I, 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 I read the wiki and, and I didn't like what the wiki said. I mean, I didn't like the facts, but I, I wanted, I rewrote it here. So this is, okay. I'm going to give you the wiki and then I'm going to kind of go into this. So the Grateful Dead are an American rock band formed in 1965 in Palo Alto, California. Now the band is known for its eclectic style, fusing elements of folk, country, bluegrass, blues, rock, gospel, reggae, and psychedelia with an ever-present jazz-like presentation for improvisation and exploration. Now, Rolling Stone ranked them 57th greatest band of all time. They were founded in San Francisco, in the San Francisco Bay Area at the birth, at the birth of the countercultural 1960s movement. Grateful Dead was the house band for the Kin Kesey acid test, the LSD-fueled multimedia trip that established, that established not only hippie culture, but psychedelics as we know them on this earth. Owing a debt to the beatniks of the previous generation, Grateful Dead carved their own path. Now, it's devoted fan base, sometimes known, mostly known as deadheads. They're devoted, and devoted is, is definitely the wrong word. That's definitely underselling it substantially. <laughs> to, to be a deadhead is to be a fan, to be a fanatic, to be a nomadic groupie, to be a cultist, to be a devotee, to be a worshiper, to being a friend on a cosmic trip, to being the little nephew of Uncle Jerry, sharing the values of love, technology, preservation of music, and deeply valuing the experience of sharing a psychedelic experience with another person makes Grateful Dead the only band that can rightfully claim they've broken the barrier, truly broken the barrier between artist and fan. A more intimate relationship does not exist in any culture that has ever existed prior to Grateful Dead or that will ever exist after Grateful Dead. To be a deadhead is to touch something primal in yourself through the music and the experience, to desperately want to share that with everyone. It's so tied to psychedelics because listening to Grateful Dead is like doing acid or doing <laughs> LSD or doing psilocybin or doing peyote. It'll either open your mind and change your world or maybe it won't be your cup of tea. Now, the songs I picked today and all I ask is that you guys keep an open mind because I know when, when as soon as you say the word Grateful Dead, people go, oh my God, fucking filthy hippies. He's going <laughs> to smell, like, I can smell the patchouli coming through my, my, my however you're listening, you're like, I can smell the patchouli now, Mark. I don't want, I, I, I don't want that. I know if I get into this and I'm, I'm bought in, right? I got to get a tie-dye shirt. I got to get a, a micro bus. Like, I'm just saying, put all your personal, you know, your personal feelings and your personal whatever your hangups are, I'm, yeah. I'm asking that you please leave them at the door. The songs I picked today, I ask that you keep an open mind. And if you allow it, if you allow it, these songs will kick open the door to your inner mind and they are <laughs> the best of the best. And I want to tell you something here that, and I know I mentioned it at the top of the show, but music affects mood. It can actually change your brain chemistry as you listen. So like I said, every single episode of File and Entertainment is an intimate cosmic experience. If you let it be, the chemicals in your penal gland, your third eye, will react if you allow them. When we listen to music together, like as we're listening to this and as people are listening at home, like as they're listening to the podcast, wherever you are, you're working out, you're driving in the car, we are sharing a communal experience and all our brain chemistry is changing in sync. Think about it, that's crazy. It's crazy to think, man, that we are literally getting naturally high together as we share this. So without further ado, let's open our mind to the Grateful Dead. And I wanna tell you how I found the Grateful Dead. So yes. I am so lucky in the fact that because I know most people would meet me uh, either if they see me at a comedy club or they heard my show or they'd be like, no way, you're into it. I am very into it. I, I had I've been very blessed with the fact that 
uh, even though I lost my father at a young age, I've always had like really cool. I had an older brother, uh, older half brother. Uh, I've had people like men who who were willing to be, uh, you know, to be stand-ins in that role model who were always willing to tell me something cool or teach me something cool. And I remember the coolest guy I ever knew was a guy named Mark Jones who ran a, a record store. Um, and this is why it was so important to me to, to plug Erica's uh, thing last week is because a cool record store employee can blow your mind, man. A cool record store employee will turn you on to stuff that you you would never even realize. And Absolutely. I, I remember being 13 in Kaiser, Oregon, going in, and I remember asking about these punk bands I had heard on the radio, and I was like, oh, they play, they play punk rock. One hour at like from 1 o'clock in the morning to 2 o'clock in the morning, and I'd come in with my whole list. I'd write down every single song, and I'd come in, and I'd be like, oh, what about this? What about that? What about that? And then this guy turned me on, like, Led Zeppelin to, to some some blue stuff. He, 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 he turned me on to Howling Wolf, which is, like, blew my fucking mind when I was 13. Like, really deep blues. I was like, where does that sound come from? And I remember the first time I heard a Grateful Dead song, I was like, it was actually the first song that we're going to play. It's trucking. Um, but I just remember just being so enamored with the music. And, and, and. I know like it's all about patchouli and drugs and stuff like that, but I'm telling you, if you open your mind to it, if you're, if you're into the music and you're willing to let the music stand for what it is and, and leave all your prejudices and, and racism and hate or preconceived notions, if you're willing to leave all of that at the door, then it will touch something in you. So the first song I, I, I want to start with today is um, first appeared on their 1970s historic album, American Beauty. Uh, this track is just classic Grateful Dead. The sound, the lyrics, the lyrics talk about the, the band's life on the road, all of the challenges and the misfortunes that came along their way. It serves as a metaphor for facing life's constant struggle. So, Jared, if you please, here is Truckin'. Truckin'. Got my chips cashed in, keep trucking like the doodah man together, more or less in line, just keep trucking on, on, on. Arrows of neon and flashing my keys out on Main Street, Chicago, New York, Detroit, and it's all on the same street. A typical city involved in a typical daydream Hang it up and see what tomorrow brings Dallas got a soft machine Houston, too close to New Orleans New York got the ways and means And just won't let you be Sing. 
in the world ever became a sweet Jane She lost her sparkle, you know she isn't the same Living on reds, vitamin C and cocaine All a friend can say is ain't it a shame Drug it up the buffalo Been thinking you got to mellow slow It takes time to pick a place to go Sitting and staring out of the hotel window Got a tip, they're gonna kick the door in again I'd like to get some sleep before I travel But if you got a warrant, I guess you're gonna come in Busted down on Bourbon Street Sit up like a bowling pin Knocked down, it gets to wear it thin They just won't let you be You're sick of hanging around and you like to travel Get tired of traveling, you want to settle down Sometimes, like, and, and the reason why I picked this song, and the reason I think it really, like, I, I at 13 and even at 42, it still resonates with me is because, like, you know, sometimes you find just your day to day life is repeating itself and you feel like you're living <laughs> in empty existence. And I guess it's, until you find what you really, really love, until you, what you love becomes your job and, and you really find it's something a real creative outlet. Like sometimes you just feel like things are just keep going and going and going and they're just it never ends and having to deal with everyday life when waiting for some kind of cosmic revelation. Like you're thinking like, wow, everyone else is like, everyone else is like doing something interesting or like everyone else kind of has focus and, and I'm waiting for that. If only it'll show up, if only, god the universe buddha allah whatever whatever your mm -hmm. whatever your cup of tea is if only that dude or that woman or that warlock or whatever would just show up one day and bring that to me like <laughs> i'm waiting for it i'm really waiting for it so in this song you know the band deals with the banality of continuing the search for that epiphany and it's just just keep on trucking it's just like keep doing the same thing there's a couple things i want to mention about the song um mm -hmm. the united states library of congress they recognize this as a national treasure back in 1997 uh, it has this communal vibe in the line. I think it's probably the most famous line in, in popular culture when it comes to the Grateful Dead is 
you know, what a long, strange trip it's been. It's it's yeah. quite possibly the most popular, you know, saying in, in popular cultures. We've we've heard this on the office, we've heard it other places, countless times it pops up and countless times it pops up in life and just inadvertently uh trucking is like the classic grateful dead coming of age story uh and according to the band is like we took our experiences on the road and we made it poetry and that's definitely the case and there's one things i, I want to mention one more other thing i want to mention is like when they when they mentioned the part busted down on bourbon street this refers to an incident on january 31st 1970 when members of the band were arrested in a drug bus that netted 19 people in new orleans this group was in town to play two shows at a club called the warehouse and the raid happened the morning after their first show in the french quarter because they were pretty much targeted once once they were the psychedelic band they were pretty much targeted <laughs> everywhere they went so yeah. <laughs> I, in, in my mind i mean for me this is like you know i i just the older and older i get is is like when i think about like you know what a long strange trip it's been i think everyone can relate to that how fucking weird and beautiful and odd and just really really unique everyone's experiences is even though we all we all share the same, you know, we're all humans. We all share the same, you know, cosmic connections, but man, it's, it's, it can be such a weird thing when you look back on it all. Eric, I'm interested to get your opinion. Are you a Grateful Dead fan? this? I feel like you're not. <laughs> I was not. I didn't have, I mean, I've, I've, of course I've heard like the songs that have been played in, in movies and I, you know, have, have heard them in passing before, but I never really went out to seek them out on my own so that I was really intrigued just because of how passionate you are about them that I knew that this was going to be fun. And I knew you were going to, you were going to bring like a really interesting energy and like it, it, it totally tracked that you were telling me back, even in the, the movie episodes, like, Oh yeah. Once you, once you get to G of music, I <laughs> definitely want to be a part of that because it, it sounded like you just spoke with such like eloquence and passion about, you know, uh, your experience with them and just what they mean to the the fans and how it kind of transcends just being a fan of just like passively listening to music this is like an active uh a participation kind of thing and that you had talked earlier about like duality and everything with garbage and i, I see that here in that stanza sometimes the light's all shining on me other times i can barely see so it's like it's either all like incredibly bright or it's incredibly dim so it's a it, once again that duality and it goes with what you just made mention to already about what a long strange trip it's been it's like yeah this is a really good uh lead off and i'm interested into <laughs> hearing your thoughts on, on the rest of the songs as we go down the list yeah let, let me give you one more thought on this it was interesting was like uh about this particular song it was written by jerry garcia and, and lyricist of the band uh uh robert hunter was like Jerry, especially Jerry, Jerry was the the original founding member. He was literally like in a, in a music shop and he kind of brought these other guys along and he was already a, like a legend in the San Francisco Bay area before he formed the, the Grateful Dead. And he was, he kind of became this cult of personality and in the late eighties after they had their biggest hit, which is not included in, in the five that we're playing today, but they had the song called Touch of Grey. And, mm -hmm, and yeah. even, even back in the sixties, Jerry was, was a very humble guy. He never really understood why, why people, found him found him interesting or would consider him famous and he'd always talk about they'd always like oh jerry it must be great he he was on the playboy show with uh with hugh hefner back when hugh hefner used to host it like he was conan o'brien like you can go <laughs> look at the you can go like look at the videos on youtube it's really weird but like and and he was like man isn't it so great you're you're famous jerry and jerry was like i don't know man it's it's really surreal and i i think of that all the time when i 
especially not even to put myself in the same category, but when I think of like, you're doing something and then you hear from people, every time I hear from somebody who emails uh, the show because they like what we do on Thursday or they like yeah. the show in general, I'm like, really? Like, you actually, you know, <laughs> like, it's fucking weird. All right. That's cool, man. I dig that. Like it's, it's very, and he was a guy who was never really comfortable with it. And he was another guy who uh, another big thing that really resonates with me about Jerry Garcia is just that, uh, you know, he had a, a deep, deep respect for for the people who who loved him or people who listened to him and you're right he, he recognized right away that this wasn't just music this wasn't just i'm giving you a song and you're hearing the song and maybe you like the song and maybe you'll play it and like maybe you'll play it at your wedding or maybe you'll play it at a dance hall mm-hmm. it was literally like you have a deep connection to this so he always had a thought like they'd always say like well jerry why don't you sell this why don't you sell that why don't you you know why do you let these people come in and tape everything why do you is every single show cataloged why do you let these people you know basically set up and camp and do this stuff and he was okay. and he had this great quote where he said you know i i don't want to treat i don't want to treat the people who love me like they're 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 cows who just happen to have wallets and that <laughs> that's great <laughs> And that's always like, I was like, man, that, that got like, if, if, whatever happens, like if, if, you, if you could do something good and you could be notable, then I think having that humility of like Jerry Garcia and, and realizing that you got to be respectful to the people who like what you do, it, it's got to be the number one thing. And, and you should never be like, oh, I'm so glad I'm here. I'm so glad that I'm getting noticed finally. Like there should always yeah. be humility in, in everything you do. And that's like the one thing that I think of when I think of Jerry Garcia and I think of the Grateful Dead. Right. Well, and it also it seems like they tread that that fine line because there's a um, that quote that you just gave was like so perfect because it seems like I mean, they did they marketed their stuff like their logo and stuff. It's like it's on like everything, but it's not like they sold out. You know, it's like they they wanted to share that because it it, it felt like they definitely had a deep appreciation for the people that called themselves fans and called themselves deadheads that that did have the dedication to just you know drop everything to follow them on tour for months at a a crack and i think that they definitely you know really appreciated that you know from their following and and but also being able to to tread that fine line without like being egregious about it or being so you know corporatized and money hungry that they were like milking everybody for everything they're worth it was like okay well you like these bears okay sure you know put your bears on everything but yeah well well, you know what's interesting about all their marketing is like tie-dye was invented by a guy who was who was literally scored some some shit at their concert and would was a guy who traveled with them and then eventually he was he was doing this stuff with the shirts that he thought was cool and he happened to bum to bum a, a couch surfing from the guys and, and he showed them how to tie dye and stuff. And they were like, Oh dude, this is fucking cool. Like we'd like some of that to hang over our speakers. And that's how tie dye came to be. Hmm. The, the bear comes from, you know, one of their, one of their audio engineers who that was his mark. And then that became the mark that would go on all the acid and the LSD that would get sold at the show. Mm-hmm. So everything, everything that was marketed, everything that all the marketing from the grateful dead literally comes from the fans. There's, there was never a conceited effort to be like, Oh, we got to sell some shit. Like we got to sell yeah. some hippies shit like everything that comes from marketing or all the weird shit you would see with them it all it all came from the fans and that's what i mean by completely removing that barrier from creator and person who enjoys it when those lines are, are broken that's when you have a relationship like the grateful does and their fans <laughs> so i'm about to really blow your mind then so you're saying that the grateful side was the original purveyors of fubu for us by us <laughs> yes they were 
they really were there there's something to be said for for alternative communities and i mean i mean you're saying it in jets but yeah there's definitely yeah, something to be said just, for yeah for, i mean not to not to slag on them i'm just saying i thought that there would be funny like a comparison because you, like it's not something that you would normally like in comparison oh yeah, to face, yeah. But it's, it's pretty funny but but you do have you know, people who are like literally like yeah like i want to be part of this and and what corporate America remember at the time of this is like we got the Vietnam War going on. There's 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 people coming home in boxes every yeah. day, and it's on the news. And then you got this you got these people saying like you know what you don't you know this doesn't need to happen. Not that we have a, a stance on it. Not that we're gonna go hold a sign. Just like look like you don't have to be a part of this at all. There's an alternative way to live, and there's an alternative way to think. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be subjected to the fear of 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 everything in life like there's a whole different way and i think that's what kind of blew a lot of people's minds and brought a lot of people over originally was because yeah there there was this kind of diy aesthetic of of the music and listening and the the clothing and and i know all of that now like i said with the patchouli thing it's 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 to be held against them at this point in their fan base at this point but really when you when you put aside all the dirty hippie blah 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 blah. there's something pure about that aesthetic about a group any group being maligned and then saying you know what we're not being served by the mainstream so we need to do our own thing because yeah. there's no one coming for us or coming to help us or coming to coddle us we're gonna if we're gonna do something or have something of our own then we have to do it yeah and just like owning the labels too not you know fighting back against it it's just like being like the we are what we are and you know that's we're going to continue to do it for the the love of our fans and for the love of the the art and the craft and the creativity and you know everybody else be damned so yeah you got to admire that all right let me get into the second one so the second one is this is actually some people have said this is is some i'm going to do my drum some people think <laughs> a lot of people are saying a lot of people are saying no, some fans consider this the greatest story song the band has ever told a lot of people consider the greatest story song in music in music history this of course is friend of the devil this is a song recorded by the grateful dead it was uh, written by jerry garcia john dawson and of course their lyricist robert hunter it's the second track on again if if you're if you like the first one and you're like you get to the end you get to the fifth song and you're like wow i i i want more grateful dead there's two albums you need to check out one is the 1970 uh, american beauty that this song is a part of and then there's also working man's dead which we'll we'll get into a song of that but these are these are two songs and then there's a a live show from 72 that are like the trifecta of everything that the grateful everything that's great about the grateful dead is is in these three albums and this is what influenced everybody and this is kind of what this song alone has uh, there's at least 50 covers of this from you know counting crows to john mayer to to lyle lovett to elvis costello i mean this is is probably the, the the greatest song story of all time so let's uh let's go ahead and listen to it this is a friend of the devil by grateful dead 1970 american beauty Jared, if you will. I lit up from Reno, I was trailed by 20 hounds. Didn't get to sleep that night till the morning came around. Sit out, run, but I take my time A friend of the devil is a friend of mine I get home before daylight Just might get some sleep tonight Ran into the devil, baby Known me 20 bills Spent the night in Utah In a cave up in the hills 
get out and running, but I take my time. A friend of the devil is a friend of mine. I get home before daylight, just might get some sleep tonight. I ran down to the levee, but the devil caught me there. He took my $20 bill and it vanished in the air. Stop running, but take my time. A friend of the devil is a friend of mine. I get home before daylight, just might get some sleep tonight. Got two reasons why I cry awake each lonely night. The first one's named Sweet Anne Marie, and she's my heart's delight. Second one is prison bait, and the sheriff's on my trail. And if he catches up with me, I'll spend my life in jail. Got a wife in Chino, baby, and one in Cherokee. First one says she got my child, but it don't look like me. Set out, run, but take my time. A friend of the devil is a friend of mine. I get home before daylight, just might get some sleep tonight. friend of the devil uh you know one of my first thoughts on this is like it's one of my favorites because it's got that acoustic guitar and it's just so mm-hmm. smooth yet the lyrics are so dark you know the song it's, you know this thing this song meant two different things it went meant one thing to jerry and it meant another thing to the lyricist robert honey hunter it would be unfair to not mention the the, the verse that robert hunter the lyricist uh had in this song that that jerry pulled it was uh you can borrow from the devil you can borrow from a friend but the devil will give you 20 when your friend got only 10 in, in, in Robert Hunter's mind. This was more about, um, this is more about, he was thinking more about, uh, at, even at that time, modern banking, he was thinking about mortgage lenders. He was thinking about mm. people who would claim to help you. And then, but then would go end up hurting you where like in the song, you know, this, this is a guy who's on a run from the authorities. The crime has never been stated in, yeah. in Hunter's mind. This was the crime of getting involved with, with people who, who were trying to take advantage of you. And then this person strikes a deal with the devil who eventually screws him. And the devil ends up chasing him too, which is in, <laughs> in, in Hunter's mind, this is, this was modern banking. This is in his mind is like, if you participate in society, this is what will happen. You'll, you'll end up blamed for a crime. 
uh, you'll have mm-hmm. to strike a deal with the devil, and then the devil is going to eventually be after you. Now, to Jerry Garcia, this was actually it was more about the about the actual story in the song of, of you know a man committing a crime. He's got a child that doesn't look like him. Uh, he's constantly on the run, constantly have this kind of uh, having to live this vagabond gypsy lifestyle because of these choices that he made. It, it's interesting in this one that. It, it's 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 definitely a song you can take it for what it is on that that very surface level and it would be a great song i mean people mm. would still think it's a great story song but at the same time when, when you when you consider the, like what hunter uh what what he was writing at the time and how garcia came to the song it, it was very different um and the other thing i want to mention before i get your opinion here Eric, this was originally when they originally wrote the song when when uh, hunter was writing the song it originally was supposed to be, it looks like water, but it tastes like wine, which never really kind of got it together. Um, and then it was uh, when he ran it by his friend Dawson, uh, he said, hey, how about a, a friend of the devil is a friend of mine? And that was like the perfect kind of part that kind of led to this. He wrote it all down. Uh, Hunter was their lyricist, and then he would write everything down. And then Jerry Garcia would often come in uh, after playing all, all night long. He'd come in the morning, he'd sleep for two hours, and then he would start going through hunter's books and hmm. literally his songbooks, and then would start writing the music to it while everyone else was was asleep um, <laughs> and this is one where he literally like ripped it out of his book wrote it all out in about 20 minutes and it, it's it's the hunter on his website on his uh he's cataloged all his his journal entries from that time frame and you can literally see the page where where jerry garcia literally ripped out this song from from his notebook hmm. so he could write this song in a fevered in a fever that's hurry. really cool so in some way he was, interesting he was like talking about himself like if i get home before daylight i just might get some sleep tonight i mean that's such an <laughs> icon- iconic chorus like yeah I, I definitely had heard this like you know, just from face value from like the name of the song i was like yeah not really familiar with it. but then you start reading the lyrics and it's like oh yeah it's like yeah i've, I've heard this for sure um so I, i'm kind of thrown with what is it three different th- is it three different things I was trying to keep keep tabs in my mind to ask you afterwards. So, okay, so like first of all, so it kind of makes sense, uh, like what you were talking about with uh, the analogy of like the the bank lending, because now now it makes perfect sense. At first, I was when hearing it, I was like, okay, so the the devil loaned you twenty dollars, but then he's <laughs> like, but then he comes back and he takes your twenty dollars that he just lent you. I was like, okay, like what the hell's up with that? But now it makes sense that if he's trying to say like, yeah, they might give it to you, but they're going to take it back and then some. Uh, so that 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 kind of tracks with that and then my second one is uh Anne marie so okay he says that she's his heart's delight but so is she the wife from chino <laughs> or is this a third so so he's got a wife in chino and he's got another ostensibly another wife in cherokee but then Anne marie's really like the one that he, that owns his heart so is there is he talking about three women or is it two What's going on here? Do you have any kind of input on that? I, I don't know for sure. I, I definitely believe I, I I know as as someone who has a little bit of that gypsy DNA myself, like you can have a three loves of your life at the same time. <laughs> I don't know how healthy that is. And I, 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 I think you'll definitely end up hiding in a mountain in Utah if you end up having three loves of your life. But <laughs> but yeah, I, I, in, in my mind, I like to think of it. I thought I think it's more romantic, uh, the idea of this this guy. Of course, a guy who's a criminal would have three loves of his life. It just it all tracks in my mind. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, it is. It's, it's good. It's iconic. It is. Uh, yeah, they, I can... 
understand why they're kind of like a known for the jam band kind of thing because they yeah they definitely take like that that instrumental break in there and like you're you're expecting the next stand and stuff but then it's like no we still got jamming out to do so. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah and the other thing i want to mention here is like there's if this one wasn't quite your cup of tea there's there's been so many covers of this particular song bob dylan has a great cover tom petty and the heartbreakers have a great cover which i think are probably the the two best i think my favorite is probably the counting crows uh covered this song on on their album films about ghost and 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 duritz does like just an amazing slow down more more intimate version of the song that is it is makes it more longing it makes it sadder hmm. um definitely he like jerry garcia definitely dipped into the well of the idea of it being about a women and it about being hmm. on the run like literally like took it literally i don't think there are many versions that that took the uh robert hunter approach where you know this is about making a deal with something you don't understand but gotcha. yeah I, I think that's probably of the there's so many great grateful dead covers but i think my one of my favorite grateful dead covers is is that counting crows version of the song just really really beautiful like i said so smooth but yet the lyrics are so so dark i mean friend of the devil i mean it's, it's I, and this is why i think I, like a lot of people think like oh friend of the devil this must be some like real like hard rock heavy metal like this must be dark and <laughs> and you know what like the the real devil is is in the details and the little mm -hmm. things that we don't realize day to day and i think robert hunter knew that um now kind of like the the ultimate uh, counterpoint to this is going to be the next song the next song is um uncle john's band um this one uh was originally on their set list in 1969 and then it was recorded later in 1970 on the follow-up album to american beauty called working men's dead uh written by guitarist sherry garcia and lyricist robert hunter Uncle John's band presents the dead in an acoustic and musically concise mode with close harmony singing. Now, when we think of like hippies, campfires, singing a song, <laughs> this is this is a song we think of. And and one thing I got, want you to keep in mind when when as as we listen to this and as you listen to this at home, you know, Uncle John's band is, is something that we don't really know who Uncle John is, and you're not supposed to know. But I, I, I when we listen to this, I, I kind of want you to think about who this person is and i'm not even gonna give examples but i want to see kind of telling where people's minds go to when they think of this um and we think about the lyrics too so jared if you don't mind i'm not being too hosty i feel like i literally no. this is file under entertainment <laughs> with evil no, Mark this, now this is it's great that be, again i really appreciate that you are so passionate <laughs> because i mean most of the stuff that i have uh gone to this point is just like i like it and i don't really have reasons for why i like it like i was joking about earlier it sounds like you were born to be on a podcast about <laughs> the grateful dead because you were so yes. well prepared to discuss this stuff and it's just like i love it i'm, I'm just letting yeah. you take the reins man it's I, I, fun. I just want to make sure i'm not going too far because okay let's start our rundown no <laughs> <laughs> blah, 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 blah. also we have da, 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 da. Also, no, okay so yeah this is this is uncle john's band I, I want you guys to pay special attention to the lyrics i want you to i want to get your feedback on who uncle john is once we hear this song and what it oh, would nice. mean in, in your mind so uh, jared if you would please uncle john's band by the grateful dead Let me know your mind. Whoa, oh. 
answer's choice, my friends better take my advice. You know all the rules by now and the fire from the ice. Will you come with me? Won't you come with me? Oh, oh, what I want to know Will you come with me? Goddamn, will I declare Have you seen the light? Their walls are built of cannonballs Their motto is don't tread on me Come here, Uncle John's bed Playing to the tide Come with me or go alone He's come to take his children home It's the same story the crow told It's the only one Sun, you come and like the wind, you go. Ain't no time to hate, barely time to wait.
that was the Grateful Dead's Uncle John's band. Very, very. Now we've truly entered the hippie hippie phase. Now the patchouli is literally coming out of the <laughs> right into your ear holes. You can smell it. It's it's you're you're already bathed in it. You you can't even take a shower at this point. So there's there's no point. Um, this one is one of their more iconic songs, and and I think what was big on Robert Hunter's mind when he wrote this was was this particular. Uh, poem by Emily Dickinson. So she wrote these lines in her poem number 478. Uh, I had no time to hate because the grave would hinder me and life was not so ample I could finish enmity, nor I had time to love but since some industry must be the little toil of love I thought be large enough for me. And and this was the original idea behind this with with Hunter and, and it was, uh, you know, it was like there ain't no time to hate barely time to wait. Where does the time go? This this song is is one of those again? It's one of those Hunter Garcia songs that carries with it and enough it carries with it enough room to kind of consider the universe or our lives in the universe, and it seems to be universal in its thought from its opening lines, which can serve as either a warning or encouragement, its general invitation to to come with me. The song resonates in our lives fairly continuously if we want it to. That the idea of participation. What I want to know: Where does the time go? What I want to know is: Are you kind? Um, the guitar work alone is incredibly beautiful and overall that it's just a timeless piece of art nothing short of perfect um now it definitely had its detractors uh warner brothers when when they first when they first heard this song when warner's brother first heard the song they they called it quote an atrocity later saying saying about uh about the grateful dead and the grateful dead uh mixers i gave them clear instructions on how to properly edit it and they completely screwed it up <laughs> so this is like so this is the song itself is literally like a, a a gift from god jesus buddha allah muhammad who 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 do you like a warlock a a pagan mystic a tree that you believe in i mean <laughs> literally uh, uh inviting you to join in to be part of this commune of ideas of love and, and peace and and uh you know and, and this idea of there being a rising tide that that you know that that we live in a silver mine we call it beggar's tomb uh one of the things that i haven't really hit home and i want to hit home right now is that knowing that they're from palo alto knowing this is 1965 knowing that this is um this is one of the most american bands the probably american band where we're fusing together all different types of elements of music and 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 these same things that were carried on by the beatniks or the ramblers or the original folkies, um, you know, this, this idea of like, there's things wrong here, man. And like, we should fix them or there's, there's gotta be a different way. And, and how do we fix these? Like we welcome people in, we bring them to us. We, we, we have that conversation, we, you know, you know, sit down and let's have this conversation. It, it's really, uh, uh, I think, even in today, even more so today than probably at any other time in our history. Like, wh what do we need? Like, where where is the point where you start on anything? Anything, I don't care what your beliefs are. Where would it be? It would be sitting down to have a conversation, not yelling or doing things like that. So it, yeah, it seems because like- that, that just leads to people turning off right away. Is you know, tune out is like, as soon as there's any kind of like confrontation, it's just like, yeah, hard check. You know, it, that's how you have, uh, a debate is by having a like a civil conversation instead of like getting into a pissing and moaning screaming contest so i gotta ask you so who 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 would you can now this the, the there is no there is no right answer so uh -huh. it, it's literally interpretive to whatever the, the listener chooses but in your mind who do you think he's referring to when well, he says uncle well, john i thought of two different things and so you said it was it was 1965 when it was written 
Uh, yeah, 60, around 65 to 68, it was written, and then it was added to the set list in 69. Okay, because uh, I'm kind of fuzzy on when the dates are for Vietnam, because well, I think it was ongoing during this time, right? Didn't it? Oh, yeah, end? definitely. It, yeah. it ended in 74. That's because I, I had uh, two different ideas, because it's quite, you know, it's being pretty literal. Like they're talking about their walls are built of cannonballs. Their motto is Joe Tredo. I mean, I mean, that kind of speaks towards like a army with uncle John being a, an equivalent to uncle Sam being like the U S government kind of thing as talking about, he's come to take his children home, like home in body bags. Now that's the really, that's the dark kind of interpretation of it. Uh, the other one was more of like a, maybe a light uh, kind of thing. Like, with being jesus like uh yeah. like with a message of like uh hope and, and peace and freedom like you know talking by the riverside because a lot of his sermons you know famously were done by you know bodies of water and so he's talking about you know he he talks about riverside and, and tides and he's come to take his children home in like a rapture kind of setting so i i don't know like what your thoughts are or what you know pundits or, or scholars that have done you know deep dives on into the song have have interpreted, but I mean, that, you know, those were uh, immediately my two thoughts. Yeah, a, a lot of people like the Jesus one. They they seem to it does make the most sense. Definitely does make the most sense. I I, I think uh, what's interesting is like a lot of people think it's Jesus. A lot of people think like maybe it's Jerry himself. Um, there's a small camp of people, and I'm in this camp too, that they, they think it's it, it's more along because of all the water references. That it's more about John the Baptist. That it's mm -hmm. it's 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 not necessarily about this Jesus figure. It's about another guy who kind of stood mm -hmm. in before that, and who was like, and John the Baptist, historic John the Baptist, is more known for for opening dialogues. Now, Hunter, the Robert Hunter, the man who wrote this song, uh, who were the lyricist for the song, he wrote the lyrics, and Garcia wrote the music. In Hunter's mind, this is about a group of circus freaks. That would, <laughs> that, would, that really? would encourage you to join them. And then of course, then at an, another point in the seventies, he said, this was about Jesus. And then later in the, in later in the eighties, he said it was up to you. And then before he died, he said it was really about the New York, you know, about the new lost city ramblers and the, the folk music scene where people would literally follow folk acts and, and try hmm. to get to know them and, and try to get to, you know, to, because they loved their message. So uh, Robert Hunter personally left it ambiguous to, and he, he would yeah. always throw out different things from, from a circus to Jesus. Circus to, freaks, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <All> so, right. <laughs> That's, that hits a little bit different. <laughs> so it, it could be, it could be anything that you wanted to be to invite you. And I, I, when I remember when I first read the circus freak one, I'm like, you know, that doesn't change my, I, I like that. I like the idea of uh, yeah, circus, funny. circus freaks being that welcoming, that loving. They'd be like, come on, man, join the circus freak. Come on, man. Come on. It's the rising tide, bro. Where does the time go? Like, yeah, I just love that idea. That's um, yeah, let's get to the next. The next one's kind of rocking. This is this is Grateful Dead at their most rockiness, and I think this is probably one of the ones probably a lot of people heard. This one is Casey mm -hmm. Jones. This is uh, music was written by Jerry Garcia, and again, lyrics by Robert Hunter. Uh, now, Hunter said in the 2015 interview with Rolling Stone, Casey Jones didn't start out as a song. It just pops, popped into his mind. This is one of those ones where sometimes you you just get something perfectly like lightning strikes from god or whatever you want to call it to directly to your brain right to the pen and you literally put it out and this is one of those songs that he claims spilled at him and uh, of course this is about the historic casey jones and that old story of americana uh but the twist was that uh that casey jones is high on cocaine <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> naturally naturally so this is this is a pretty good this is a pretty gem of of, of a great song and uh let's let's hear uh this is from a 1970 album, Working Men's Dead. Again, we've, we've had uh, 
two, uh, two American Beauty songs, two Working Men Dead songs, because these are definitely the, the perennial albums. But uh, yeah, this is uh, Casey Jones from Grateful Dead, 1970 album, Working Men's Dead. Driving that train, I'm cocaine. Casey Jones, you better watch your speed. Trouble ahead, trouble behind. And know that notion just crossed my mind. This old engine makes it on time. Leave Central Station about a quarter to nine. Hit Trevor Junction at 17 to at a quarter to ten. You know it's traveling again. Driving that train, I'm cocaine. Case Jones, you better watch your speed. Trouble ahead, trouble behind. And you know that motion just crossed my mind.
So that was Jerry Garcia and the Grateful Dead uh, singing Casey Jones, which has to be like the the best opening line of any song ever. Driving that train, <laughs> high on cocaine. Yeah. Um, and what's funny about this is like, uh, if you've ever partaken in any of the white stuff, then you'll understand that this is the song like the the actual substance it's got like there's a split second delay to it it feels very mechanical it's like a typewriter <laughs> the vocal it's it, the vocal's a bit jangly the whole thing is i always thought it, it's like a perfect uh you know kind of a, a parallel to to what cocaine is it's a little bit evil it's a little bit hard edge it's also got that sing-songy thing that's kind of sweet but it, and it gets a melody that's kind of stuck in your head but it's still it's kind of it's kind of this hollow mechanical feeling like a typewriter which kind of mm -hmm. goes along with the idea of, of the idea of, of it being a train so we're taking this this legendary character casey jones of uh, this character in, in americana and then taking them out of that era in Americana, putting him in 1970. And, and how would this guy be if he was there now? And, 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 and I think in their mind, and I think in Hunter's mind, it was the idea, the lyricist was that this is exactly what this band is. You know, this is the, they're kind of in this for the long haul. There's, there's this kind of things that are out of control. A lot of people speculated that Hunter wrote this as like a, an anti-drug piece. Cause he could see hmm. how far along things were getting with the, uh, the LSD and the acid tests and just how it went from experimental, you know, mind use and, and having an experience to just like flat out abuse for some people. And, and I think like, this is kind of the, the, if there's going to be any anti-drug song in the Grateful Dead catalog, um, like it definitely would be Sugar Magnolia. Sugar Magnolia is literally about weed, but I think Casey Jones would be the one where we're talking about sounding hard edge and being hard edge and having that cocaine feel and and being kind of that warning and taking that classic piece of americana and kind of uh juxtaposing it against this idea of, of cocaine use in the 1970s so yeah. um, I, I worry that it's buried too much under subtext though if it really was meant to be an anti uh like drug song because at face value i mean it does talk like okay yeah you're about to get hit head on like you're either going to run into trouble with this woman that you're involved with or you're going to get head on like literally by a train so yeah it does kind of speak to, to your point about it being like more of a negative but at face value like if you just told you like oh he's high on, on cocaine like he's just that's so i mean that's he's, he's doing his thing you know <laughs> American hero high on cocaine behind he's, he's driving a train. Right. You know what's, fu what's funny here is like, again, where we great thing about file entertainment, like here's where we cross again with control. I see a lot of parallels between control and, and mm. Casey Jones, like, uh, you know, very much a, a, a product of what they want to be. And, and in this particular case, uh, I, I think, the, the misnomer here is that like lady in red lady in red is actually that's a that's an old 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 60s term for the person who brought you your drugs oh, so the lady okay. in, so the not lady in, literally, not literally yeah, a woman <laughs> yeah the lady in white was what they used to call the cocaine so you get your cocaine you, uh, that would be the that would be your date with the lady in white the lady in red is the person who brings your cocaine and of okay. course yeah i mean when you have these slang beatnik terms and we're, we're using them now it's hard to not go yeah well he said a lady in red like we must we're thinking a lady in red but yep. yeah this is uh another one of those ones uh where they're kind of playing with that idea of of, of and that's the great thing about it, a grateful that is classic americana even in all the songs we've heard we've heard on this episode today classic americana but kind of mixed with that that idea of what's going on in that counterculture at the time mm. so context but also like you know telling these stories but at the same time uh you know you know there's a lot of veiled stuff in there i think it's it's really 
I, and definitely, I, I, you know, you don't have to do cocaine. You can literally don't do cocaine. Just listen to this song. <laughs> no one <laughs> needs that kind of shit in their life, but it, it definitely, definitely has that feel. And this is like one of their more iconic songs. Um, this last one, um, Scarlet Begonias. This is an interesting one. This is one that uh, I actually think that the Sublime has a better version of the song than this one. And I think it's a little bit more on the nose as far as the meaning, but it, we'll stick with the Grateful Dead versions of it. But this is Scarlet Begonias. This is one I chose last, uh, just like you, like your choice with Vow. And this mm-hmm. is, this, again, another great parallel. Vow, in my mind, was about like a, a, a couple that is destroying each other. Scarlet Begonias also has kind of that element of, of, of a man falling in love with a woman and how it's not meant to be and mm. how it's, it's kind of being things kind of blossom into their own thing. And, and sometimes it's uh, there's hard fought wisdom in both of those songs. Um, in this particular one, we'll hear the lyric. I had to learn the hard way to let her pass by. And, and I think in bow, we also, <laughs> I think that that last stanza there is, is also, uh, again, I can't use what I can't abuse. Yeah. Yeah. Again, this is like, this is very, in my mind, both of these songs are, are, are about relationships and, and, you know, kind of coming to terms with, with, with what it is and, and what it's not and, and kind of dealing with, a, not dealing with reckoning, reckoning would be the proper yeah. word of, of, of the kind of aftermath or what's going on and having the, the wherewithal to step back and being like, this is really jacked up because sometimes you're <laughs> so far in it, you can't even see how crazy it is till you step back. And I think, again, this is what I love about file entertainment because now we're, we're weaving these, these two together. Uh, uh, Jared, if you will, Scarlet Begonias by the Grateful Dead. Uh, this is from March 23rd, 1974 at the Cow Palace in Daly City, California. I'm not 
That one, that one is my absolute favorite. That is Scarlet Begonias by the Grateful Dead. It's a bouncy, bubbling song. It seems to be about one thing and then blossoms into being about everything. It's got lyrical motifs aplenty. We have mm-hmm. flowers, we have nursery rhymes, gambling, shapes, colors, musical forms, precious metals. The song has it all. Do you need encouragement and inclusion? Everybody's playing in the Heart of Gold band. How about some hard-fought wisdom? I had to learn the hard way just to let her pass by. How about some cosmic teaching? Once in a while, you get shown the light in the strangest of places if you look at it right. Down home sayings. I ain't, I ain't often right, but I've never been wrong. <laughs> the, the best line in the song, though, the absolute best one is, and I think this is everyone who's a fan of music is it has got to mean a lot to them. It seldom turns out the way it does in the song, which mm. is like is is just so proud, profound and meta. The song is laced with memorable and meaningful lines showcasing Robert Hunter at the height of his songwriting chops, paired perfectly with similar accomplishments from Garcia. Few songs in the dead repertoire can get us in so many different ways, make us see our lives from so many angles simultaneously. And it brings us back to the point of the song. Was he with her? Was he not with her? Does it matter? Clearly he wanted to, he was drawn to her. There's nothing wrong about it. It's just the way of the world. There's nothing wrong with the way she moves. There's nothing wrong with her other charms. There isn't anything wrong with the reciprocating look in her eye. After all, sings the narrator, I ain't often right. But I've never been wrong. Adding, <laughs> it seldom turns out the way it does in the song, which really makes you think. I mean, and then, I mean, that, that's the craziest one. That's this is like one of the first few ones I, I heard. Trucking first, and then I heard this one second, and I remember uh, that one. You know, uh, once in a while, you get shown the light in the strangest of places if you look mm-hmm. at it right. I remember thinking like that blows my mind it still blows my mind today hearing it and repeating it alone just makes me think about how fucking truly profound that is. That we always look at things a certain way. And then if we look at them in a different light or we just take a little step back or we consider them from a different angle, we'll see, we'll see that light in the strangest places. It's, 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 it's really, this is why it's one of my favorite songs. And it's also kind of got that, just like uh, our, our last song from garbage has kind of got that, that kind of parallel to this, this mm-hmm. relationship issue song. Um, mm-hmm. I had to learn the hard way to let her pass by. Yeah, it's I like it's very it's definitely the most poetic. I mean, there's certainly stanzas in every single one of the songs that you presented for us that are poetic that kind of like uh, toe the line of being like a sing-songy pop song and being like outright poetry, but this one certainly like uh, the the delivery and the musicality behind it and certainly like it, it's great because I like when there's not like an outright chorus where it's like, it's just stanza, 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 mm-hmm. stanza, and they're all different and they all tell a story. And it's like, it's taking you from a, a place. Like you, you start out with the, 
like the the hope of this new prosperous love like is he is he going to be successful like he and then it's kind of like it it's you go along with him on the on the ride and then it kind of gets dashed but you know that he knows that it's for the best and so you kind of it's it tells a story in a short amount of time and it is very poetic and yeah this is a spoiler alert this is going to be uh ranked number one for me as well it's your favorite and it's uh, you've got me uh kind of hooked like you've won me over with this song it's it's really good Yeah, this is a great one. There's a lot of other versions of this. I know Jimmy Buffett did a version of it that's not terrible, but I think the the, the subline version is is almost almost uh, like there there are a few songs in life like we think like uh, all along the Watchtower. That's a Bob Dylan Mm. song. Bob Dylan wrote that song. However, Bob Dylan may have wrote that song and he birthed that song. He brought it to, into the universe, but that is Jimi Hendrix song. Like that yep. is literally no Jimi Hendrix song. Like it, it changes. The, the Scarlet Begonias, and it's weird to say, cause I know people feel weird about Sublime. People feel weird about the Grateful Dead, but if there's one song that I think belonged to Grateful Dead and then belonged to Sublime, I mm. think is just knowing the context of, of, of how Bradley died and, and the heroin overdose. And, and in his, in his version of it, he turns it into a woman who turns him into all this and he ends up going off with her and they enjoy this torrid love affair. And they enjoy this torrid summer of selling drugs and getting high and, <laughs> getting out of control and then and then he finds out that she's she's gone that she she met she's disappeared and now the cops are looking for him which is like which is its own twist on on that on that on 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 robert hunter's version of the song which is is more about kind of requited love that turns into something that needs to be stopped um you know seeing this woman in london and and seeing that he's looking at her and she's looking at him and it seems to make sense and then and that does it work out? Does it not? But you know, it, it didn't, maybe it did, maybe it didn't. It, it mm-hmm. doesn't really matter. It's kind of that experience. It's that first, it's that first spark. And I think this is why this one pairs so wonderfully, just pairs perfectly with the, with the, the final garbage song, because it's, it's clearly about that relationship dynamic and that relationship dynamic between two people is just like, it's something that it's something that carries like basically every song every good song in my mind plays out on the on that human melodrama and and when it's when it's unrequited love or requited love or something that doesn't end the way it should or something that's not going the way it should i that's just that's just pay dirt for 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 musical brilliance i I agree and i (laughs) you said uh, again i'll reiterate like you you were meant to do this like this had to be a show that you were brought on for because you you obviously have been putting a lot of thought in this you know throughout the entirety of your your fandom you have a lot of uh really good insight that you're bringing to this it's just yeah i i couldn't have asked for a better guest to to discuss this stuff with i mean it's just it's been incredible like yeah don't worry that you feel like you were were taken over but no i mean just all the stuff that you were, were putting into it it's just it's incredible I'm, I'm glad that you are as passionate about this is because you know most of our conversations stem around sports and so to find out that you're like just as excited and uh you know amped up about something if not more so as college football and in sports in general you know with your love for the grateful dead is is really cool so you know, I, I think of all this and I think this paired with I, I think I've earlier this year, I've, I've went on a rant about, you know, uh, player empowerment. And I've been on 
whatever our rant about inequality like i'm like I, i'm like i am not liberal but god damn it do i have a lot of liberal opinions and a lot of things that i really really like i think i think deep down underneath it all eric there might there might be a bernie bro inside of me that I, <laughs> i'm repressing like maybe like Maybe now that I'm maybe now that I'm really trippy, like maybe Medicare for all isn't such a terrible idea. <laughs> I mean, maybe, honestly, you know, what, I, I, you know what? Scratch that. Edit that. Please edit that in post. Jerry's <laughs> <laughs> like, no, hard pass. No, sure. <laughs> are, are you uh, are you ready to delve into our rankings for these? Yes. All right. So let's start with. With garbage what's your number five song oh gosh this is really tough for me um and i'm not just saying that because i'm, I'm like i think uh whoops is is probably is probably number five for me i, I mean there's no bad ones but there's just so much mm -hmm. good stuff that it's gonna go float towards the top yeah that's kind of like you know the argument where erica was like no they're all number one fuck you you know it's like uh, <laughs> but there's got to be a, a number five and so that's not like a it's there has a... to be a cincinnati bearcats or a utsa <laughs> there has to be sorry <laughs> exactly uh for number five i'm gonna go with i think i'm paranoid it is my favorite song off of version 2.0 but again like when you start out with 35 songs that i legitimately could have had in this playlist like we would have been talking for days and days and days straight so there's got to be a number five so for me that's i think i'm here right you gosh it's such a good one though i don't know if i like that you ready for me to give number four yes sir i'm gonna go whoops i just i, I no i'm sorry i'm sorry wolves for number five. Oh yeah i'm sorry sorry i'm I, i'm in control control two okay too new for me i mean I, I i like the other stuff this would almost be my number five but I love that distortion at the end. It kind of won me over. Um, but yeah, it's just, yeah, number four for me. Okay. I'm going with uh, number four. I'm going with Shut Your Mouth. So I let off with it intentionally because it is like more rocky and I do like the message behind it. And especially that it came from like a stream of consciousness kind of thing. It wasn't uh, like they pretty much verbatim took down the stuff that she was saying that she was ad-libbing and then incorporated that into the proper song so i like that that it wasn't like a sit down and, and formulate that st structure i like that it was just like a stream of consciousness thing but again there's got to be a number four so i'm going with it there um number three i'm gonna go with um and it was really i mean any of the top three could could slide into one but i'm gonna go with shut your mouth i i, I really like it but i think the what's left is, is really fighting for one and two and i think one is one i definitely would have made number one but now I'm, I'm kind of i'm hedging my bets now i'm kind of changing my mind but shut your mouth definitely a number three i'm happy with my three four and five my one and two are going to be tough okay well so number three i've got wolves it's a nice even like right in the middle kind of thing for me i, I don't love it as much as the, my top two i don't uh love it as little as the ones that i've got it, this is again it's from the the newer album and so it was relatively new I, it hasn't gotten near the amount of airplay as the other ones but this was one like upon first hearing it i was like that is really awesome uh i really love this song and so it got pretty heavy rotation when i was trying to pare down all of them and it would have been easy to kind of just remove any because i did have like i said I, I had five easily from the first album alone that i could have selected and so like when i had six songs left that other song from the first album uh and that was as heaven is wide for anybody that wants to know 
um, could have taken over, but I just, I love this song so much that uh, it got the number three for me. Number two, you know, I, I was literally going to be, I was literally going to go with this one, number one, but I, I've literally changed my mind. I talked myself into it with, with all the uh, terrible PTSD it's brought in my mind, but <laughs> also like, like I said, the, the bittersweetness of it, but we'll get to it. Number one, I think my number two, just by the sheer fact that the vow kind of won me over when I really, really thought more on it uh, is I think I'm paranoid. I just, I, I love that song. I think it's classic. I think when we think of, when we think of garbage and we think of that time frame, and you, you could put that up there with smells like teen spirit. You could put that up there mm. with anything by Pearl jam. You could put that song up from that era and it would be just as good as any of those other songs. It stands, it stands on the shoulders of, of alt rock. Uh, and I think it's one that does not get enough credit for what it is. Uh, yeah. I think I'm paranoid at number two. Yeah, I can certainly appreciate it. Like I said, it's my favorite song from that album. It's just, yeah, these, these are tough choices that have to be made. My number two is uh, Control. I really like the, the distortion. I really like, even though it is one of the newer songs, to your point, uh, and I do kind of prefer the older stuff in the catalog for Garbage, this one just really, it rings true. I think the lyrics are really good. I think the delivery, especially with the distortion and just like the, the weird things that they do musically with it is really cool. So that's my number two. All right, my number one, obviously, and I kind of it kind of buried the lead here, but yeah, the, the vow our vow is just probably the best one. I mean, bittersweet, personal. It's very, very close to home. I don't think I ever want to listen to it again. Actually, oh no, <laughs> but, uh, I will. I will rank it. I will rank it the number one garbage song for our episode. But yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think I ever want to listen to this song ever again. It, it, it's it's that traumatic for me. Oh, that's fair enough. I I'm sad that that it has that deep of a negative impact on you, but I do appreciate that you did appreciate it enough to make it number one. Vow is obviously my number one as well. It's uh, like I mentioned a couple times before, it's the, like the quintessential garbage song for me. When I think garbage, I think Vow. And I think that's by virtue of this being the first one. If had I listened to another one first, I don't know how I would feel about this, but it's just like this perfectly encapsulates for me everything that's great about Vow. Her delivery, the the lyrics, just kind of the because I always did try to put more of like a positive focus, like a female empowerment kind of spin to it than like a like a traumatic kind of deal. So I'm going with Vow number one. <laughs> I wish I had that take on that song. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you can listen to it one more time, just trying to uh, put your your mind no, in that I, kind I, of. Frame. I'm good. <laughs> no, you're like, I'm no, good. <laughs> it's it's dead to me forever. I ranked it number one. Now take it. <laughs> Take it and, and go fuck yourself. <laughs> it, it, it's it's like USC winning the title. Yes, oh, I know. Jesus. I, I, I'm aware that they want it. I'm aware that it's very important. I am aware that Pete Carroll is extremely brilliant, but I do Won't not accept to, it. Yeah, no. I, I, I don't have to dwell on it. I don't have to dwell on it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's get into Grateful Dead. Uh, so I guess I will go first in in this case, unless you would like to go first. Uh, yeah, you can go first. I'll All give right. You my number five, uh, and again, like all these songs that you picked out for me, um, not having like a deep knowledge of uh, the discography for the Grateful Dead, but I had heard uh, these songs, or at least you know portions of them, or were familiar with them. So uh, all of them are really good. I think it is a good representation that you that you handpicked, that you cultivated for our audience. So it's great. I think this probably will lead to more people uh exploring more of what the grateful dead have to offer so again tough choices have to be made i don't think it's a bad song by any means i especially 
you had made mention of like the iconic first line. It is incredible driving that train high on cocaine. But number five for me has got to be Casey Jones. Yeah, I, I'm going to agree with you. Number five, Casey Jones. I just like, it, I, like I mentioned when we talked about the song, it just reminds me too much of doing cocaine. It's literally got a mechanical <laughs> feel, a very, very, I like, I like natural things. I like, a, I like a natural bring up. I, I don't like this, this artificial jacked up kind of, kind of thing. Mm. And it, it definitely feels very mechanical in my mind. It's, it's one that I love. It's a song that I love and I love, I love a good story song. I think that's probably why I have a penchant for country music in my middle age is that I, I love a, a story song, but yeah, this is one story that, yeah, I do not need to relive all the time. <laughs> Being high on, high on cocaine and, and driving a, a fast moving vehicle, been there, done that, not a great way to live. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right. My number four, I kind of, my, my one and two and number five were, were very firmly entrenched. Like as soon as we listened to them again, I was like, okay, that's where I'm slotting these in for sure. Between four and three, uh, I'm kind of like hemming and hawing. Like I, I wrote four uh, on the one, but now looking at them again, especially because, you know what? I am going to flip it. I'm going to flip it. I'm going to, my number four was going to be my number three and vice versa, but I'm going to go with number four. I'm going to go Uncle John's Band. It's a, it's a good song. It's uh, a good message, but it, I think it's a little too open to interpretation. Like when we were talking about, oh, it could, it could be Uncle Sam. It could be Jesus. It could be, uh, but then when it's like, oh yeah, it's about circus freaks. It's like, well, that changes the message entirely. Like I can still appreciate, you know, it being a good, good song and good musically. But if like, if that's truly what his mindset was, circus freaks, I'm like, all right, firmly number four now. Yeah, I, I'm almost tempted to agree with you. I, I really love this one. I think this is the the hippiest of the hippie songs. Um, I, I'm definitely going to slot this at four also. I, for me, yeah, the four and three could have changed, but I think my, my only criticism is there. I don't, I don't mind the ambiguity. I do kind of mind the... Uh, and, and I'm, I'm making my own argument against me, like <laughs> patchouli, the campfire, like sometimes it, it, it definitely does kind of diminish what the band's about. And I think even though I love that song and I'll play it in the car and I love the peace and harmony of it and I like all that stuff. But yeah, it's, I, I it, in, in my mind, it's probably something that's more needed in this world, but it's, it's something that we can all easily dismiss. And I, I would also mark it down it's, compared to the other ones. I mean, we have literally iconic lines in the, in the rest of these songs. Uncle John's band's fun, but. I, yeah, I'm going to rank it at four as well. All right. Uh, so uh, number three is going to be trucking. I know for you, it's probably maybe going to hold a higher place in, in your pantheon because it was the first one that you heard. It is iconic. Uh, and yeah, it's it's got a, a good message. It's got a lot of good, um, yeah, just delivery and good musically. But I think the strength of the top two that are going to remain just like far outshine it like from an artistic standpoint so i'm going to go with trucking at three yeah gosh i'm i, I, I wish i would have gone first because I, I feel like i would have out the gate with i think it would have been weirder that we're, we're kind of matching i'm definitely not trying to match with you but yeah truck and i there's so many great lines what a long strange trip it's been which is like it's almost cliche at this point but really if you stop and think about it and you apply it to your own life i think it could it could mean so much uh, i love that idea of of waiting for a cosmic message and not getting it and mm. thinking that it's going to be delivered any day now it's just it's a matter <laughs> of time and kind of that longing for it um and that idea of just like you got to keep moving on man you got to keep it moving you just got to keep it trucking i love it but i mean when we get into the top two there are just there are some songs that 
the other two are just so iconic. I mean, we got Alabama, Georgia still sitting out there in my <laughs> mind. We got literally a, a one in a, in, in a one a, so yeah, I, I got to go with trucking at three. Well, I think we're going to have the exact same. I, I feel that way because you did say Scarlet Begonias was your favorite song. So uh, Friend of the Devil is going to be my number two. It's a really uh, it's a really good song, even though that one's kind of ambiguous as well. I do like the the storybook nature to it uh, and that they do have a, a repeated chorus instead of just like the stanza, stanza, stanza that I was like going on harping about before that has Scarlet Begonias. But that chorus is iconic and it is, yeah, it, it just, it sets a, it paints a picture. It sets a tone right from the jump. And yeah, Friend of the Devil is a really good like story-based song. Yeah, it's I as someone who's who's lived his majority of his life on, on in the West, um, I think probably what draws a lot of people to the Grateful Dead is that idea of of how wild and and open the West is. And you could you could, even now in this world, you could you could you know, being a, a cave in Utah, it, it, it's, it's so expansive and it's so wide open. And when you go to places like Reno or Vegas, or there's different parts of the West where there's still that kind of outlaw spirit. I mean, every historic building in Arizona used to be a brothel. I mean, it just <laughs> tells you everything you need to know about Arizona and, and how, how gritty and how, you know, just outlaws, like these are all, these are not like foreign concepts. These are concepts that were less than 100 years in the west so when when i hear that song it makes me think of like the iconic western imagery um mm. you know a guy escaping a guy on the run a guy who's who's got three loves of his life i mean it's it, that that one definitely resonates with me i just i i love that one uh and it's probably the greatest story song of all time uh great version by tom petty great version by bob dylan i think game recognized game i think you, <laughs> when when you have the best of the best we're like i want to i hear that song and i want to do my take on it then yeah it's it's undeniable for sure yeah so whenever i think of uh like picturesque storybook kind of thing for like a, a wild west setting i don't know if you're familiar with uh like or i'm sure you're familiar with it at least been named but tales from the crypt like the, oh, yeah. the show. So they had that one uh, with Kyle McLaughlin and I forget who he played like this fugitive outlaw and I forget who played uh, the cop, but yeah, the, the whole rub of that was like, he ends up uh, uh, handcuffed to like the state trooper guy. And <laughs> have you seen this one? I, I kind of remember, I remember Kyle McLaughlin and it's gotta be the same one unless he did multiple tales from the crypt. It's gotta be the same one. I'm, I'm yeah, thinking in my mind. I mean, spoiler alert for this show that's probably 30 years old at this point. But yeah, Kyle McLaughlin as this fugitive uh, ends up handcuffed to this like state trooper lawman guy and who then he kills the lawman, but he's still handcuffed to him <laughs> and, and he can't find the key. And so he's dragging the literal corpse of this lawman around with him. And then these buzzers start flying around, you know, stalking him. And as he becomes uh continuously more you know dehydrated but it's like they they did a lot of like really cool you know uh pull in you know really up close tight shot on him like to show like how he's sweating and and how he's becoming more like desperate and and then mm -hmm. they do the, the, the pull out to show like the expansive just emptiness of like the the wild wild west and like a mountain kind of desert range and so it's like yeah it's it, it kind of brought me back to that same kind of thing hearing that it's just like all right yeah you're, you're sleeping in caves and you're trying to you know avoid the law and also the devil and yeah it's it, it brought me to that 
as a guy who who kind of ran a little foul of trouble myself between between the west and in mexico and all over the place that song takes me right back there and how everyone everyone in the west is is got this kind of even california i won't even i'm not even going to take that away from but everyone's kind of got this like well screw everybody else i'm going to do what i want kind of spirit there's this very very libertarian kind of like anything could happen out here you could get shot you could die you could fall down you could die like this is this is very very dangerous relationship with 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 your environment that that you know i could walk outside and go down the road and i could run into a rattlesnake like mm. we're so shut off from that i think in the, the rest of the country that it's, it's kind of like but then they play up that's why you see guys in like cowboy hats and still larping is like these <laughs> it's just it's it's kind of it's kind of its own ethos and i think that's why like the grateful dead is even though i would say they are an america band and they represent a lot of americana but definitely the american west how it was and it's still holding its ideals. Gotcha. So that leaves just uh, our same number one, Scarlet Begonias, for all the superlatives that we were lauding on it before. Uh, go ahead and and, and just like uh, give us some more of what this song really means to you. Yeah, this is uh, like I said. I'm just like just like the vow, just like vow. It, it means it's 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 about the same woman to me in my mind. It's, it's it's the same woman who's haunting me, and she 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 threatened me too. She she told me if she ever died, she would haunt me, and I, I <laughs> which which was was setting in a way very loving way. So I I know that sounds pretty fucked up, but it was said <laughs> in a very loving way. It was supposed to be meant as, as something sweet, but uh, okay, yeah, yeah. When 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 you phrase it the way you phrase it, though, it's like I'm gonna haunt your ass like you know. i'm gonna haunt i'm gonna haunt you motherfucker. Yeah. no but it was more like yeah I, I think i told i think me and jay were having this conversation i maybe i had it on air i can't remember but i was like i think she told me she's like I, I we were talking about what happened if she ever passed away she's like would you ever move on would you would you ever take up another girlfriend and i was like i was like i don't know and she's like you better not because i will come back and i will haunt you both <laughs> and it was supposed to be like it's supposed to be sweet like i'll be here forever but yeah yeah when i hear this song it, it makes me think of jen and i think of uh and i think of of of, you know, I had to learn the hard way to let her pass by uh, that idea of, 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 you know, all these things, uh, flowers, nursery rhymes, mm. uh, shapes, colors, musical forms, precious metals. I, I think of her, she was very uh, into peacocks. And I think of that every time I see a peacock, I think about her every time I hear this song, it's very, it's very, again, just like Vow, it's very, very bittersweet. But this one I like a little bit more because it blossoms. It's not so hard straight into that. It kind of blossoms into from being about that to being about everything else, which I, I really love is that it, it, it's got motifs aplenty that kind of spread out. It's not just solely about this one bittersweet relationship. Yeah, it's really deep with uh, like symbolism and, and metaphors, and you could read a lot into it. And it's also enjoyable at face value. And I, I really like and appreciate when music can do that. You that you can enjoy it on multiple different levels. Like it's a it's a, a poem essentially put to music, and mm -hmm. that's that's really cool. I, I really dug that song. And and I mean that's the the center, right? It seldom turns out the way it does in the song. I mean, if if that ain't if that ain't the ultimate, in, in if you're a music fan or you're someone who obsessively follows music, yeah, it seldom turns out the way it does in the song. When we compare real life to music, yeah, wow, what a what with the ultimate probably grateful deadline in my mind. Yeah, and what a way to round out the uh, the episode.
I mean, so I mean, we still have one more segment if you're still willing to do oh, it. I'm I'm ready. I'm I, I, I'm right. I'm ready for this Aerosmith game. I, I'm sorry that I I've taken control and I've talked so so much. But <laughs> no, if you, I, if, again, I'm really appreciative that you agreed to do this and that all my friends have have come on here and super producer Jared that he's you know so willing and giving of his time and and also to to come on and and do the episodes. Like everybody has just been so cool about bailing me out uh, in doing this, and so it's uh, Dude, to con- it, to keep the show going. It's it's, it's incredible. It's literally, let me say this. I, I know I've said it twice here, but I'm going to say it again because I'm still feeling it. Is like something important about music, and it's something about important about sharing music. Like mm-hmm. I said, like I said, you're literally opening your third eye when you listen to music, and when you're opening your third eye with other people, then it becomes transcendent. And when I think of everyone out there being able to listen to the podcast, listen to our thoughts afterwards, and then actually being able to listen to songs with us it's crazy it's mind-blowing it's we're all in this communal experience whether we like it or not and it's just it's something lovely it's something that no matter what now every time i think of garbage i'll think about the conversation i had with eric about garbage that's and awesome it's, it's 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 this is why people should listen to music together this is what it was all about this is yeah. what music was meant to be when you're beaten on a, a bongo or around a campfire <laughs> when our primordial ancestors were enjoying music for the first time when they were making beats this was to share to be a communal thing this is why this podcast yeah. is so goddamn important this oh, is why and, this, and this series is so important and that's why it's uh it was really important uh, and the, like the best choice that we've made to incorporate the music into the episode instead of asking someone to go to you know, Spotify or pause the, the podcast to go listen to it elsewhere. Just to have it embedded in the episode just makes it, yeah, because we, it does afford the opportunity to listen along you know, with the, the guest to experience it at the same time. And it is, and, and I love how you're like uh, ascribing more uh, like profound meaning to the show than I'm just like, oh, let's get, get some people and talk about music. And you're like, no, it's important for like the tribal. Na- no, <laughs> no, I'm, I, 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 <laughs> I love that. that. That's, that's what's incredible. great is like, that's what it should be like as you, as the artist. And this is what's perfect about it is like, just like the Grateful Dead, just like garbage. You've created something. And just like when Hunter wrote all these songs, they, you wrote something or you put together something thinking one thought and then it isn't later till you get feedback that you realize that mm-hmm. this one thought that I had, like I only had, I had blinders on. I'm only seeing one part of this picture. And when I open my mind and I listen to other people's feedbacks, then I can kind of get the full picture. And I think the reason why we don't want to get the full picture, because when we take in the full picture and we realize the responsibility we, we have to what we create, we realize like, Oh my God, you know, I'm not just, like some jerk off having fun on, on a microphone. Like I've cracked the mic because there's something spiritually in me that I need to share. Like, so when you see the whole picture, you see the responsibility you have, not only to the people who listen, but to the people who will find it in the future and the people who came before us who shared music or who shared sports or yeah. shared whatever. You're literally taking part in the oldest tradition, which is storytelling. So it's it's great that you didn't know, and but now it's great that you, you, you we've pulled it back so you've seen it even more and now i feel really 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 fucked up so i'm gonna let you continue with your segment <laughs> oh that's that's the perfect way to, to wrap that up so, all right we are going to to get into the the game that's sweeping the nation it's not quite clickbait headlines but it is it is up there almost as important and this is is it aerosmith 
Is it there, Smith? All right, so we've got four bits of lyrics for you, Mark. And at least one of these is going to be Aerosmith. Now, now I'm an Aerosmith fan, so I'm, I'm hoping that I, I can win this because I really love Aerosmith. Okay, so I, I think the problem that we've had before is that the guests have guessed after upon hearing the music or the the lyrics, they've guessed. Okay, I think what we should do is wait until we've heard all four of them. And then if you need me to repeat them, I can. But I think wait until we we finished all four, and then you can tell me which one you think it is. Or okay. possibly more. What do you think? Okay. I'm ready. Right. Yeah. Okay. So here we go. Here's the first one. I really mean to learn. And because we're living in a world of fools, breaking us down when they all should let us be, we belong to you and me. I believe in you. You know the door to my very soul. You're the light in my deepest, darkest hour. You're my savior when I fall. And you may not think I care for you when you really, when you know down inside that I really do, and it's me you need to show. Okay, that's number one. Hmm, that sounds. Hmm. Okay. Okay, I'm ready <laughs> okay, for the next one. Keep stewing on him. Here we go. Here's the second one. Everyone I know, everywhere I go, people need some reason to believe. I don't know about anyone but me. If it takes all night, that'll be all right. If I can get you to smile before I leave, looking out at the road, rushing under my wheels. I don't know how to tell you all just how crazy this life feels. I look around for the friends that I used to turn to pull me through. Looking into their eyes, I see them running too. Okay. 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 All right, here we go with the next one. Baby, I'm a dreamer. Found my horse and carriage. Stalemate, jailbait, ladies can't refuse. You love them, then you leave them with your sold-out reviews. No more, no more, no more, no more. All right. Okay. Here we go. Okay. Here, ready for the fourth here's, one. Here's our last one. I can't get you out of my mind. What crazy stuff. She looks so tough. I had to follow her all the way home. Then things went <clears> bad. <throat> I met her dad. He said, you better leave my daughter alone. I couldn't sleep a wink for trying. I saw the rising of the sun, and all the night my heart was crying. You're the one. You're the one. You're the one. You're the one. Well, that's first of all, that's commitment. That's very no guy should be doing that. It's <laughs> a little tryhardy. Okay, yeah, I, I, I think I know which one. Which, which one is the arrows? I'm picking the Aerosmith one, right? Yes. Well, I mean, it could be more than one because I did. Mm. I, I fooled Erica a little bit because I had selected two in her episodes. So now did I do the same thing? Did I do more? At least one of these four is Aerosmith. That's always going to be the, the thing. But the one of them is, is definitely Aerosmith. The, the no more, no more. I think that's the third one, right? Yes. Yeah, that one is definitely Aerosmith. I think that's the song No More, No More. I believe I could be very wrong, but I feel like that's you are right correct. from their 1975 album. It's oh, toy, shit. Toys in the, the Attic. attic. Yep, yes, Toys sir. in the Attic. Yep. Okay, the other ones. <sighs> Follower All the Way Home. That doesn't sound like Aerosmith, but at the same time, that could have been early. Uh, that could have been 70s Aerosmith. I'm going to say no on that one. I'm going to say that's not Aerosmith. Okay, you are correct. That's the coasters, Youngblood. <sighs> okay, thank God. All right. Gosh, so the co someone should stop the coaster. Someone should keep an eye on those guys. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you're two for two. Uh, the first one, uh, that one doesn't sound like, that one does, does, doesn't feel like Aerosmith. Yeah, I, I'm going to say no on the Aerosmith on the first one. 
All right, you're my light in the deepest, darkest hour. You're my savior when I fall. You are correct. That is the Bee Gees. How deep Ooh. is your love? It's yes. Three for three. So this last one, everyone I know, everywhere I go, looking into their eyes, I see them running too. Is it Aerosmith? That sounds like Aerosmith. That really does sound like Aerosmith. That does sound like some Steven Tyler, Joe Perry bullshit. I mean, it really does. I, I'm going to, I'm leaning towards Aerosmith. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with my feeling. I'm going to go with my gut. I'm going to say that's Aerosmith. Oh, no. oh, three for four ain't bad, Mark. This was Jackson Brown running on empty. So, but you did get, you got three out of four. That's incredibly good. It's, Damn. Uh, it's, isn't it really difficult? Like, just hearing someone read the lyrics it's, a, it's a, i think I it's incredibly difficult and they have they have really i mean they're they're very wordy in their lyrics so you don't know if it's them or any other 70s band or 80s band <laughs> it's like because they're so wordy and there's they're not like particularly poetic but they're like yeah it's <laughs> listen to me accuse aerosmith of being wordy yeah they really <laughs> they won't shut up aerosmith jesus christ <laughs> <laughs> Well, so that was Is It Aerosmith, and that has been our episode on Garbage and Grateful Dead. Mark, it's always an incredible pleasure to do our episodes on Thursday, where typically we talk about what well, started out with us talking about college football. Now we talk about all sports. The show is is blowing up. You've got the, the Friday show coming with super producer Jared to talk NFL. You've got your Tuesday solo show. Uh, give us all the rundown on the Evil Mark show, Every anything and everything that you want to discuss. First, I want to thank the ship army. I want to thank, no, <laughs> I'm literally going to do my, as we wrap up the show, I want to thank the ship army. I want to thank, no, literally you guys can check me out uh, if, you, if you love what we talk about. And I hope that every, a lot of people from, from who listen to the regular show come over here and check out Pilot Entertainment. You'll understand if I'm Grateful Dead, you'll understand why I'm so passionate about it, why I'm always plugging the show. It's not just because I love Eric and I love uh, that he takes part in, in, in co-hosting with me on Thursday. I literally love file entertainment. I, I love the music uh, that we're you. that you guys are doing. Uh, really, really, yeah. I mean, talking about music, definitely, as you can tell from my long, long-winded rants, definitely turns me on. Um, yeah, if, if you guys are interested in more of me, maybe when I'm a little bit more lucent, you can definitely check me out at evilmark.com. Uh, there you'll be able to find the links to all the, the different places wherever you listen to podcasts if you like podcast addict or pod bean or whatever or what i can't even remember all this shit whatever you like to listen to it on we're everywhere um and you can join us every tuesday every thursday and then soon to be every friday with jared that'll be pretty fun and then we're actually going to take him i'm going to take him he right now he's behind the glass i'm going to take him i'm going to break the glass bringing him out he's an nfl expert and he's going to be the nfl expert on the show on friday we have a lot of fun segments just like the thursday show it's going to be a blast i'm really looking forward to that and then uh I've been really, 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 really blessed to, to have uh, uh, to, for people to find the show and discover it and uh, be really cool and email me and uh, uh, just it's been really it's, it's been what a long, strange trip it's been, Eric. What a long, <laughs> strange trip it's been. And I'll yes, leave it I, at that. <laughs> I definitely welcome all the uh, the cross listeners. I, I mean, we've definitely seen more traffic in file under by virtue of you always like uh, being so gracious and mentioning it you know at the top and the at the end of every evil mark show uh we've got a lot of crossover traffic so i mean if we do get more because you're a guest that's incredibly great uh with the exception of uva doug if you're listening uh <laughs> if you've made it this far go fuck yourself <laughs>
No, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to have you, dude. And uh, I would like uh, to, for you to reach out to me. I would like to for you to, to come on the show at some point in time. And so we can have an actual conversation, you know, and so you can try to defend yourself. Because right now, I'm telling you, I'm just going to keep harping on you because it's a one-sided thing. I've got the platform and you don't. So, again, I love that you're a listener, but you're, you're a, a Wahoo. So that means you're, you're nothing. <laughs> I, I know I know he's a dropkick Murphys fan. So I, if you ever circle back around that, I, I will I will push on him and be like, you got to come on and talk about dropkick Murphys and we will make fun of you. The fact that you well, you really, really earnestly like the dropkick Murphys. So I'm going to call him out for cultural appropriation oh. because like as an Irish guy myself, you know, I say I feel like even though I don't particularly like them myself, I feel like uh, I still they're ours. You know, we own them as, as Irishmen. So uh, I don't know uh, UVA Doug's heritage, but he, yeah, he can't he can't like them. It's he better not, not be Scottish. He better not be <laughs> Scottish or Italian because then he, then he's crossed the fucking line. <laughs> <laughs> no, again, it's all in jest, and uh, yeah, I'm just thankful for for all of our listeners, everybody that's reached out. We've got a, a lot of you know really positive uh, encouragement and and reinforcement that the people are really. Uh, loving the music being embedded it, they've said it, it does make it a hell of a lot easier which is yeah it's it's a no-brainer why we didn't do it before is uh you know yeah it's 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 much better now so mark thank you again so much for and, agreeing to come on and yeah and I, and I apologize for for using every possible moment going full joe rogan on you keeping you here <laughs> hostage for three hours i see jared in the background slowly writing things out he's he's, he's penning his suicide letter is what he is. he's literally <laughs> oh. like yeah <laughs> i don't know what that is i can't see that it's it's literally it's saying blurry, good, it's saying goodbye i'm tired of listening to this if i have to hear one more grateful dead song I'm going to someone feed my birds <laughs> <laughs> And I just want to keep it running. I want to mention a few other things. Can we talk about the third eye? No. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll stop. Yes. Thank you again, super producer, Jared. You're an incredible human being and a wonderful friend. And just for the amount of time that you, you do, not only for this show, but also for even Mark and all the video editing that you do over there, you are one in a million Mark. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's becoming a love fest. Yeah. So we should probably hang up, but yeah, it's uh, you guys are great. Thank you so much for being a, a part of File on Entertainment. And so that is that. We will see you on open, the next go round. Open that What's third that? eye. Open that third eye, baby. <laughs> open the third eye. Drop, drop some shrooms. Get ready for H because we're going to have more fun guests. We're going to be talking about Halsey and the Hold Steady with Jake and David from Let's Play Death Ray and Life is Unfair. Amazing guys who do amazing work, not only on their Twitch channel, but also on their podcasts. And yeah, just can't wait for that one as well. So until next time, thank you everyone so much. This is Eric signing off. Slam that filing cabinet.